This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is Brody King and you're listening to Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, boy, do we have a surprise for you. Uh, We're here on a Saturday with episode number 162. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and after seeing the current state of Nick Jackson's hairline, I'm going to have to start referring to them as just the Bucks. But welcome (laughs) to the show. It was was one of the most insane weeks of all time in wrestling, and I wish I could say that was hyperbole. It's not. It officially was. This was a monumental week, a very meaningful week in professional wrestling. Not only did we see the debut of AEW's Dynamite show on Wednesday, uh, NXT went to its full two-hour girth. I actually went 215. They had an overrun to help them with ratings. Yep. Uh, not only that, we also had SmackDown Live going to Fridays and becoming just SmackDown and uh, and debuting on Fox in major, major fashion right here in Los Angeles. So, yes, welcome Woo. to this new flagship show here at Busted Wide Open, episode number 162. This is Madness. Nick, how are you feeling after this after this week, after after we're going two shows a week? How are you feeling after all of this, man? I'm still pumped. I'm still ready to go. There's there's so much to talk about. Um, and I, I think this the hype will level off over time, but I think the all three of these shows came out guns blazing this week. With I mean, just above and beyond the fact that we have now have the Wednesday Night War thing going on, as well as Friday Night SmackDown, it, I will say it was nice to have a, a break on Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, that was unexpected. I, I didn't. I'm, we're not used to that because <laughs> I'm used to having Raw, SmackDown, NXT, BWO, and then New Japan all weekend at three in the morning. So it, it's right. so it's nice to kind of <laughs> space things out a little bit more, but they all came out in a big, big way this week. So that's what I'm excited to talk about, not only the wrestling and the shows themselves, but how they were presented, uh, because they all Absolutely. put in that extra effort uh, for this premiere, big premiere week that we had. Sure. And if, and if you are a new listener, if you're coming to us for the first time because you've heard about these crazy wrestling shows and you want, or, or you watch back in the day and you're gonna, getting back into it, Welcome to the show. And yeah, we're what we basically do is we're like the sports center of wrestling. We're gonna we're gonna give some analysis. Well, this show in particular, we're gonna give some analysis of these shows first, like what we thought about the new presentation, what we thought about how they compared and contrasted. Then we're gonna break down each show right. and what we thought about all of the matches. Yes. But Nick, before we do that, 
we got to do a little housekeeping. Yes. And then we'll get into the mess, the meat of the show. Well, guys, if you're new here, you might not know that we do have a Facebook discussion group that is very active, very lively, very positive. We love keeping things that way. But head over to the Busted Wide Open discussion group on Facebook. We post uh, fun content, you know, news articles, memes, videos, throwback material, all kinds of good stuff over on Facebook. Send us a join request. We'll get you right in. In addition to that, we also have our very own Discord server where we have live chats going on for all the shows in separate channels. You know, you can be as spoilery as you want to in there. And, you know, we can talk about pay-per-views. We, we sit in on live chats with all of our listeners with pay-per-views, all that kind of good stuff. So make sure you join our Discord channel. You can find links to it in the description of this video below or across our social media as well. Uh, speaking of which, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast right here on YouTube live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. And last but certainly not least, thank Thank you to all of our patrons that help support this show. If you want to get in on some of that and you can get your listener questions in every single week at just the $5 tier, the price of buying myself and Sir Ian Dangerous, uh, not even a the price pack. of a cup of coffee. You know, it, it, $6, $5, pumpkin spice lattes are apparently back in. So you can't even get those for $5 a month. But you can get listener questions, show notes, access to bonus episodes uh, once a month at the $10 tier. We're probably going to be amping that up, too, as we ourselves enter a whole new era. Uh, it's not just the wrestling world. We had to change, uh, too, to, to stay with the times. So that's why we're, we're going with them on a Saturday. But, Ian, I, I just I have to say um, I was pretty blown away with the production of things just overall this week. I don't know about you. Well, you know what, Nick? I, I agree. I was pretty much blown away this entire week. I'm exhausted from all of the hype and the payoff and the excitement of this week, and I cannot wait to burn the rest of my energy out. But to do that, we've got to go over and talk about the big news. AEW and NXT go head-to-head for the first time the Wednesday... Begun the Wednesday Night Wars have. Oh, God. He did a prequel. Oh, he did the prequel. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, I'm going to start. Let's start here. Let's start with the fact that the Wednesday Night Wars, as they're being called, even though there's actually a lot of, not damage control, but there's a lot of uh, verbiage on both sides saying it's not a war. We want everyone to get along. We love everybody. Uh, we do. And honestly, you know, from where I'm sitting, I I don't care if it's a war. I don't care if it's, you know, smiley, happy Barney land. I just want to see good wrestling. Yeah. And so far, that's exactly what we're getting. And, you know, what is it? Iron sharpens iron. Like, this is the kind of thing where if they're going to put NXT and AEW head-to-head on Wednesday nights, and it's going to be a ratings war, um, but in the sense that they're both trying to, they're not sitting here trying to poke holes in each other and be vindictive and petty like it was back in the 90s right. between WCW and WWF. Uh, but if they're, if they're there trying to see who can do the better show uh, in a constructive, creative way, that is so insanely exciting. Because right now, you know, I, I've stated on the show and I still believe it, that NXT is probably, if not the, then one of the greatest wrestling shows on the planet. And after seeing AEW this week, I'd have to say they're off to a damn good start as well. Uh, they both they both went nuts this week. We had debuts, we had returns, we had swerves. 
you know, we're going to get into all the details of it later on in the show when we talk about the actual AEW Dynamite show itself. But let's talk about the big news after the fact, and that is that week one of these quote-unquote Wednesday Night Wars was won handily by AEW. They crushed NXT in the head-to-head ratings, 1.409 million people with a 0.68 rating in the demographic mm. uh, 18 to 49. That's the second highest uh, in that 18 to 49 demo. NXT only 891,000 with a 0.32. Half, half of the, of the uh, demo rating for NXT. Uh, the, and honestly, the only reason why AEW wasn't the number one show on cable is because the A's were playing the Rays, which got uh, 3.9 million uh, and a 1.03 rating. So, yeah, the first week, AEW coming out the gate really strong. How much do you attribute that to them being the, the new thing, everyone wanting to check it out, yeah. and and NXT be, it being kind of the tried and true? Guilty. You know, uh, yes, we've had we've had NXT on um, on USA for a couple of weeks now. This was the first time they were the full two hours on USA. So yeah, I had seen them on USA live for the couple of weeks prior. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go, and I know I can watch it on the network later that right. night or the next day right. i wasn't sure how i could watch aew later apparently it come mm-hmm. to find out it is on the tnt app uh as long as you can authenticate and get into it you can watch right. it there as long as you have a cable but you gotta have service a cable. provider yeah <laughs> so mm-hmm. there, that's one of the things you guys have been hearing me say all along they've got to figure that streaming thing out uh and i'm sure the cons <laughs> have it up their sleeves but i i want to temper the fact that they got those ratings that high. let's see what they are in a month and then let's, right. let's average it over the course of the month. But, yes, shiny new toy. Everybody checked them out. I have all hopes that they stay that high. But I'm going to temper it with they were the hot new thing for the week. Yeah, and it was interesting to actually see the two shows directly contrasted. I actually had the unique opportunity of bartending at my, at my bar for that show. And, actually, I went in to work that shift having no idea and the – they had already put on, without me saying a thing, people had already put on both shows in the bar. Damn. And this is not like a wrestling bar by any stretch. Not anyone else who works there is really a wrestling fan. This was actually people who were in the bar asking for these shows to be put on. So Damn. I actually, so, so right there, that's an interesting point that, that, you know, from a casual standpoint, people are aware and interested. Um, and in, in addition, you had a lot of people sitting at the bar asking questions about what they were seeing. And so then being able to look at the two shows next to each other on the TVs in the bar and seeing uh, a, a completely, in some cases, casual crowd, people who literally have no idea be about wrestling beyond Hulk Hogan, uh, checking it all the way up to people who are uh, you know very much aware of it, uh, being able to look at those and their reactions to each show was absolutely a fascinating sample size, Nick. Um, and I have to say, just head-to-head, it was fascinating how much more impressive and visually grabbing AEW was because of all the bright colors, because of the size of the arena, because of the, the presentation overall, whereas NXT felt very intimate, felt a little bit more, dare I say, ha- uh, like low-key, if that makes sense, mm. where it, just, it, felt, it felt not more amateur, but it definitely did feel a little bit more like... Um, a smaller product and people were much more gravitating towards AEW because of their presentation. And, you know, once I got to go home and sit down and actually watch the shows front to back, 
I had a, I had a very different opinion than what I got just from having the shows on with no sound in the bar, and it, you know watching people's reactions to the show. So it was, and 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 honestly, there was a couple of things that factored into uh, how people reacted to the shows. One of the big ones was that Jericho is still a very recognizable face. Um, I, I said at one point that he's nowhere on the level of like an Austin or a Rock or a Hogan, but people who you know in the in the era when wrestling was at it's pop culture peak. It's it's the furthest it's ever been on an inroads inroads to common public awareness, and that was in the '90s when it was making like eight million people a week were watching it, and you know you had Stone Cold on on Burger King mugs. People Jericho was from that era, yeah, and there were a lot of people in the bar who have not watched wrestling since 2000, who recognized Jericho and were like, "Oh my God, he's still doing it! Wait, he's the champ." What's this? And being very much drawn into AEW by that. So that was a really interesting factor too. And anyone who's questioning whether or not Jericho should be the inaugural champ for AEW, I think that's your answer right Question there. Question answered, for sure. Question completely answered. Um, what, what, was, what was your opinion on the differences in the presentation between NXT and AEW? When you were watching it, how did you feel the presentations contrasted? What do, you th- do you think that there's any kind of um, advantages that one presentation has over the other? Uh, NXT certainly has a head start uh, in their storylines and things that uh, people are more aware of the superstars, I believe, to a certain extent. I think there is a little bit of a knowledge gap there of uh, people that have seen NXT and seen WWE, especially when you're going to trot people out that people are going to recognize from the main roster shows. That's going to give you a little bit of a leg up. But I was pleasantly surprised with how just aware people were of Jericho and Cody and the Bucks and other things like that. The presentation, I noticed almost immediately with Cody and Brandy coming out to the ring, the level of clarity and quality in the cameras. I think they were shooting those in 4K. I'd have, I, need to fig- I wish I knew how to figure that out, but the, the colors and the clarity and the brightness and everything just looked so much more pro- and better, and I'm not sure if that's to do with how lit up the place was uh, uh, the, in in the Capital One Arena in DC. But NXT has just traditionally always been that dark, which we say all the time. Why don't they turn the house lights down more? Mm. Watching AEW this week, I'm going. I don't there know that it yeah. it actually works. If you're so, maybe Kevin Dunn just needs to reassess what lens packages he's using, what camera and gear he's using, and all that stuff. But yeah, it's it was different. It was a different kind of experience. Uh, well, I want to get into SmackDown in a second, but I think he he reassessed some stuff oh, yeah. because my God, SmackDown looked amazing. Oh, yeah. But that being said, um, I was I was I, I, I always loved NXT's presentation, but then seeing it next to AEW, I was like, wow, it really does look drab. Yeah. And it was which is wild because I used to love it. And now I'm wondering, like going head to head, if you're trying to grab people, say for instance, in a bar, AEW is going to grab them that much more. Also, you're um, dropping twenty, almost twenty thousand people into a giant arena versus what fifteen hundred people that you can put in full sale. If even uh, that, it was it was a it was supposedly about fourteen one three, I think, uh, in DC for AEW, uh, eleven thousand paid, which is really good. Uh, so it's a good start for Damn. them. But uh, but again, it's they're starting. Yeah. You know, we'll see how this is in f- six months. Sure. Um, and yeah, full sale is well way way smart is way smaller. Uh, rabid. You know, no one sits down on their hands in full sale. But at the same time, AEW had a pretty damn rabid crowd too. So, um, and it really helped. 
all three of these big shows we're going to talk about today, uh, you know, SmackDown, NXT, and AEW, people were fired up this week. Yes, they were. Fired up. And it really did help the, the feel of importance of all of these shows. Um, what did you think about this new, quote-unquote, sports-centric presentation for AEW with the wins and losses, with treating it as though it were a sporting event, referee's discretion, pulling some things from New Japan as far as trying to, to bring a more sportsy uh, kayfabe into it. What did you think about how that executed well uh, on the first week? I will say that one of the things I was looking forward to was how they were going to do the soap opera side of a weekly show. And I don't feel like we got a lot of that this week. It was mostly just like surprises. I'm wondering when we're going to start to get some actual promos, start building some storyline outside of just these two guys don't like each other because one attacked the other. It, I, I get that that's kind of where things start and come to a head, but I need some, I need some promos and some soap opera and some betrayal and some of that stuff too to go along with my my wrestling. So that's well, if if the new if they're going off of the new Japan model, which I I feel like they are going to a bit, given the amount of history um, that the people running that company have in New Japan, the Young Bucks specifically. Yep. it wouldn't surprise me if. We saw a lot of the drama that you're talking about on YouTube and behind-the-scenes stuff. And the show itself was just about the matches and then the fallout and build the immediate build to those matches. Yeah. So, which would be a very different presentation. We wouldn't have, you know, say, I don't know, Lashley kissing Lana on AEW. Right. But it might, there might be something backstage where that happens. Sure. So, um, yeah, I'm curious where they go with that going forward as well. I, I you know, I, I loved the idea. The wins and losses did make it so that the way that the commentary was selling it, every match had at least some stakes. You never have to scramble for stakes because at the very least, it's a win-loss um, rationale for why someone wants to win or lose because they matter. If you win, you're that much closer to a title shot. If you lose, you have to work that much harder to get a title shot. You have built-in stakes for every match. Uh, and I think that lays a foundation for your writing that is just, it makes a lot of things fall into place so much easier when you have that basic setup uh, of believability surrounding your matches. Yeah. So that right there, just even in the first like week of having the announcers talking about it, I think it really helped ground the program quite a bit. I, so I, I like that I do want to say uh, one note on the commentary. I think they might have found the, the combination on AEW finally with JR, Excalibur, and adding Tony Schiavone to oh, the threesome. Was, oh, that was the missing key. Schiavone really he's, brought he's, a level of expertise and depth and history and confidence to that panel that was missing with the other guys that they've tried up to this point. And if you haven't been watching MLW, you may, you may have forgotten what a great voice Shivani has and what a great announcer he is. And he's been doing great work over in MLW, but to have him back on a big platform like this, to have him back with JR, uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe he and JR have worked together since WCW in like 93. Oh, like early that's, 90s, yeah. Yeah, like th that's insane. That's insane if that's the case. I don't believe except for like a one-off show here or there that they've worked together on a show it's in that long so it's awesome to see them back together from from that sense but yeah it really did feel like uh you know that that's a nice setup of guys you've got a you know a very very level head with excalibur you've got shivani who's fantastic play-by-play -play, and jim ross almost looking a little bit like a color commentator yeah. out there which is honestly like where he's at in his career i think that's great for him like at this point he's a great play-by-play -play guy but 
he's such a, a colorful guy in terms of his delivery that he can almost work better as a color. So no, it was a it was a great dynamic. I loved where they were going with it. Yep. Um, to just to put a cap on this particular section of the big news, Nick, after uh, they got trounced, WWE tweeted out essentially it's a marathon. Uh, you know, they say they congratulated AEW. They were very gracious about it. They said, hey, you know, it's it's exciting to have a new uh, a new promotion out there. You guys did a great show. Uh, and you you know, had a great week one, but it is a marathon, not a sprint, which is a nice little petty kind of twist at the yeah. end of the tweet. Good um, luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now here's the here's the question though. What, what are they saying with that, Nick? Is that like is that a petty little like kind of poke, like you know you better keep this up kind of thing? Or no, well, what, I think what, what it's saying is they had a lot of the same sponsored like and ad buys commercials, people advertising on AEW that you would see on USA with WWE. You had the state farms and the pizzas and the sodas and the progressives and all the same kind of stuff going on, right? And depending on what market you're in, you're going to see different stuff. But the big nationwide stuff, uh, syndicated stuff, you're going to see across everywhere. My, I, What I take away from that is can you hold on to the ratings and the numbers enough to attract... The only people that care about ratings, in my opinion... I mean, we can talk about it all day here as the sports center of wrestling. The only people that care are if you're an ad agency and you're doing ad buys. That's it. But that's but what do you mean? That's the only people. That's that's how they make their money. I, I know. The, ne- the but network. But it's not like it has care. any context around whether or not it was a good show. There, there's not a. That is correct. You can do a good show and not have any ratings whatsoever. Bingo. And so that's very true. That's one and thing that's I want case. people to understand. Everybody's so obsessed with numbers and ratings and stats and all that stuff. We'll report it what they were, but I want to put the context right. out there that the only people it truly matters to are the executives of each of the companies and how much money they're going to get from their ad buys and advertising. But you can have a great show and everyone's screaming from the rafters like we've got a great show over here but if it doesn't have the ratings it'll go the way of like i don't know firefly or something like that where it'll just it'll get canceled no seriously it'll get canceled doesn't matter how many rabid fans you have you've got to have those ratings numbers uh and and that's why it's important is that NXT could be still the best show on on uh, of wrestling in the world but if it's getting crushed by AEW the network's going to look at that and be like, why aren't you doing better against this competing show in the exact same demographic of the exact same type? Exactly. So it is actually important, and that's why it's it's fascinating to look at it. Um, and the other thing that I think is a, it's a little point to make here before we move on is NXT kind of went all out this week. We had, of their four titles, we had three of them defended on this show. Now, and And... We had a bunch of like major matches, some major angles happen. We had two major, well, one major return and one absolutely bonkers uh, debut slash return slash we'll talk about it when we get to right. NXT, but <laughs> just insane uh, person coming out on NXT this week. They went balls to the wall. Whereas, yeah, you had a, a title defense on AEW, but it really was kind of booked like like it could have been a weekly show. You know, if it was booked kind of like a really good episode of Raw or SmackDown, like that level of booking, um, they didn't go all out. They could pardon the pun. They could have they could have gone crazier with that show. It's almost like they're starting at a baseline and NXT is starting way up here, you know, trying to uh, to come out the gates hot. So, you know, I think it's interesting to note that AEW has a lot of room to grow 
and do a, a, a wilder, bigger, more important feeling show aside from just you know them being their debut show. Yeah. Whereas I don't, you know, I mean, I get yeah, NXT could absolutely build up. I don't want to give that impression. I don't feel like they could go higher than what they did, but they it felt like NXT pulled out a lot of stops. And AEW gave us what could have been what their weekly show feels like. Yeah, I, I you know what? I, I think both of them did certain things to try to uh, capture some of those ratings. Uh, there were certain things that felt like deliberate moves that they probably wouldn't have done yes. on any other given week. Um, so, But I think all three of them did that this week because they recognized the weight and the gravity of what this week was going to mean to pro wrestling history. The, there, yeah. This is the, we have officially stepped into a potentially new golden age of wrestling, officially at this point. We've seen it building uh, over the last few years, but with this week, I mean, I don't feel like it's hyperbole to say that, holy smokes, the game has changed. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Like things <laughs> certainly are, not hyperbole, no. Things are going to be very different from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Potter? Yes. I, it's actually... You know, I've heard the term "new golden age" thrown around a lot. I think we've even brought it up on this show a couple times, and it's it's something worth worth considering because of the level of quality and yeah. not only that, but the money, the money that's being put on some of these shows. I mean, let's go and talk about SmackDown. The other big news of the week: SmackDown debuts on Fridays on Fox in what I can only describe as like a mini WrestleMania. Pyro is back. Lasers are back. There's a new set. There's a new set for Raw this week too. But the SmackDown set. Very contrasty to Raw. Raw is very like clean. It's one big gigantic panel with a tiny opening in it. SmackDown, there's like there's like gates. It looks like it looks like uh, like Tron uh, had sex with a wrestling stage. Like it's absolutely insane. What were we saying it's, before it's the a, show? It, it's that Fox U money. <laughs> it's that Fox U money. Yeah. <laughs> Fox U buddy. Uh, somebody uh, said in the live chat during the show last night as well that. Uh, it feels very NFL-y. I think it was Indy Gal or uh, somebody oh, yeah. like that. Feel, and I was like, yeah, but that's Fox. That's what they're going to do. What I was hyped about is that they were like, here's Fox, home of the NFL, NASCAR, Daytona 500, WWE SmackDown, and, and the Smackdown. Super Bowl. And I was like, did they just say SmackDown next to the Super Bowl? Yeah. Oh, you know Vince was backstage just touching himself right. over that one. Right. like, finally, I've arrived. <laughs> yes. I've, I've been legitimized. <laughs> I'm in the club. Um, and and th- that's the thing is that smacked. It looked like a million bucks, yeah. and it was probably a hundred million. God, that Tron. Um, oh my God, that Tron. <laughs> I cannot get over it. I was just all well, this over is the myself thing. last night. So the presentation. If you're just watching SmackDown, have no idea what's going on, and we'll get to the wrestling itself later because there's, oh, there's a lot to unpack there. Holy crap! But as far as just the presentation, as far as just how they had a a blue carpet event outside. Uh, that was over at was, the Fox lot. I don't think that was at Staples. That was pre-recorded. Uh, well, they had, but they also had an event at Staples. Oh, okay. And they, uh, but here's the thing. So they're, they've got this whole new look to it. Um, it actually was very appropriate that they debuted it in the Staples Center because of just it. it that feels very Vegasy down there, where where that where that uh, stadium is. Um. They had a couple of new interviewers. They had some Fox celebrities that were there. Um, you know, the typical like wrestling people like Maria Manunu, Manunu, Manunus, Yes, new, new live uh, Morgan hair with uh, Maria Manunus. Looked good. Yeah. I liked it. Um, she, she but you it. also, but 
what was interesting was I think that there was a for me I I was I was torn on because they were obviously playing to casuals throughout the entire show. You even had like you had people introducing themselves to the audience. You had you know not only just Bray Wyatt introducing his puppets, you had people being like, "Hi, I'm so and so." You had the announcer saying that move is called the Coast to Coast. You know what I mean? Like it was very very much geared towards casuals, people who were just checking in on this show. Uh, but they also kept hyping, look at all the celebrities that are here watching our show. And it was like a couple of guys from Fox College Sports, uh, Tyson Fury, the DJ Marshmallow, who I'm, I'm an old bastard, but I've never heard of him because, you know, I'm, I'm into people that actually make music, not press buttons. Um, that's right. Shots fired. Uh, and, uh, you know, a bunch of WWE Hall of Famers. So it wasn't exactly like, you know. Hollywood has turned out its best for WWE. Here's Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. They're not together anymore, but it's really funny to see them both here. You know, like that kind of thing. Right. That wasn't there. It was, it was still very much the insular community, and they didn't really draw a lot of people that weren't from that community to this event that they were showing, at least. Yeah. Um, you know, at least, at least AEW had Jay and Silent Bob. <laughs> I, I, I'm a huge... Kevin Smith, fan. which was adorable. Yeah, same. I'm, I'm, I, I yeah. and I love the original Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back movie, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Bottom line is, is that WWE was playing it like it was this big kind of cultural event, and they're still not quite there yet. But you know, it's one of those things you put it out there enough, and it becomes so. So we'll see how that evolves. Do you think that they played? too much to the casual audience with this show or the or the the lapsed fan if you will uh, a little bit of both actually i, I was going to bring up the lapsed fan because as as a former lapsed fan uh of <laughs> fan of the attitude era i as much as i kind of gagged a little bit and threw up in my mouth a little bit when they were bringing back all of these old ones i'm part of me is going they can't ride the legends forever right that this is this there's diminishing returns on what they're doing Right here. Let's see what happens again. Same as AEW. A month from now, when they're not bringing out, trotting out all of these celebrities every single week. Let's see if the if the things if the numbers stay up or if they're still there. But I, you know, I laps fam lover of the Attitude Era. This was geared towards me. And Friday night prime time on a major single digit number channel on a main channel. Yeah, you're gonna get two to three times the amount of people tuning in, and they're not going to have ever seen this or maybe even watched it since the 90s. So, yeah, right. it, it makes sense from a production standpoint why you would want to do some of that to welcome and usher in some of these new people and avoid any thoughts of, like, elitism or you're not, you don't know, oh, you don't know who that is? Well, puh. Yeah. You know, just that kind of shit. Right. They didn't want to be, they didn't want to be off-putting. Right. Um, and then we have the picture of the Fox executives watching the Firefly Funhouse segment. <laughs> which is one of the greatest pictures of the night. The Fox executives just like staring like, what the hell is this? After Bray Wyatt does a Firefly like, what Funhouse have we done? segment. <laughs> what, oh my, we spent how much on this? Yeah. Um, but here's the thing is that, yes, they did play a lot of it to their casual audience. They're obviously trying to get those people. They, you know, there is, I think, a very dangerous precedent set by wwe over the years and very much on smackdown this week that don't worry about the existing fan base all we care about is getting new fans and the problem is is that by not taking care of their existing fan base and treating them like they want them there uh it can be alienating yeah and if you if you treat your existing fan base like idiots 
um, or you kind of ignore them or or or, or insult them, um, it's going to be it's well, it's a da- it's a dangerous foundation. It makes it a very rocky foundation, um, gravelly foundation. So, and we'll talk about some of that that went on on the show itself. But you were saying about legends coming back, Nick, and how like that's diminishing returns. I'll tell you, they had one legend on the show that was definitely not diminishing returns, and that was The Rock. Um, that was absolutely insane. I want to talk about that when we get to the show itself. Let's just end by saying that the ratings are the early the early ratings are in. The Flash ratings are in. Uh, nearly four million people, three point eight nine million for SmackDown on Fox. That's the second highest show of the night behind, I believe, uh, Hawaii Five-O over on CBS. Seventh highest show of the week. They did a 1.35 in the 18 to 49 demographic and skewed 70% male. What a shock. Uh, AEW crushed them on the female demographic. But that being said, um, looking at those numbers, that's about a million and a half higher than SmackDown has been doing. Um, and about a million higher than Raw has been doing. It, it, the, the, the estimates were that it would do between four and five. Is this a disappointment? Um, I mean, if that's what you were selling ads at on the ad buys, if you were speculating that you'd get uh, an average between four and five million viewers, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to be disappointed because you're not going to get paid what you priced out at. You're going to get paid what you actually delivered. So right, right so that's going to be a little bit your your budgets. You're going to come in under what you expected to make on, on that particular. Bye show. bye pyro. <laughs> so from a business, pro- oh god, please don't take that away. That was the best part of the whole show. We'll talk about that more when we get there. <laughs> Holy smokes! Um, I, I don't know how much I've marked out about stuff in the past, but I marked the hell out of that Tron. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, it, it could come from a business perspective. That does come in as a disappointment because you set the expectations that high. Now, if you had tempered it with, let's do a hundred percent better than what SmackDown has been doing over on USA, which would have put them at about 3.5, 3. anywhere from 3 to 3.6. They would have overperformed. But I think they, what the expectations were so high, they were shooting for the moon, they brought all these people back, they probably paid The Rock over a million dollars just to be there for 10 minutes. And, probably. You know, it, there's going to be those, that, from the business perspective, it, all of that stuff weighs in. But that said, they still got 4 million viewers. Four million yes. viewers to watch a re- two-hour wrestling show on a Friday night at eight p.m. What? That's that's fantastic. Any way you cut it, you can do, you can dial yes. in the minutia all you want to, but after what happened Wednesday night with two different shows on at the exact same time, and then two nights later, you've still got four million people tuning in to watch wrestling. I'm okay with that. I also want to point out that on Wednesday, the total amount of people watching was two point five million. So that's that's total people watching wrestling, and when you when you do the math, true. Uh, and not only that, but if you're looking at the four million that 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 SmackDown pulled in, like you said, Nick, for a wrestling show, that's astounding. That's really good. Let's see how that maintains, because I have to say the angle they sent us off with at the end of TV might have alienated some fans again. Uh, <laughs> it was it was very controversial, uh, and I really want to talk about it. So let's not waste any more time, Nick. We, we talked about the ratings. We talked about uh, all the big news. Let's head over and talk about SmackDown Live. Well, for the first episode of SmackDown on Fox, we open up with the Raw Women's Champion. 
Yeah, anyway. you know, usually like when we break when we break down the uh, the episodes, and probably going forward, this will go back to this. But usually, we like take the important stuff and put it all first. And this one, I just was doing it live, so we were going sequentially through the show here, which sucks. I really want to talk about the main <laughs> event, and I can't wait to get my teeth into that. But yes, we started with an absolutely, pardon the pun, straight fire segment here. Becky Lynch opens the show. And if you don't think that that's significant for WWE trying to prove something to its casual audience, you haven't been paying attention. Very important that you have a champ, a woman's champ coming out to open the show. Um, looked like a million bucks. Looked incredible with the, the new steam that they have going for her. Uh, what, what did you say, Nick? It looked like a football team coming out of a uh, out of coming the, out of the, the tunnel uh, during pregame. Out of the tunnel, right? yeah. <laughs> it almost blew her off the stage. Like her hair and her clothes were yeah. whipping, and the like the wind that they were generating with those turbines uh, to do her steam was was incredible. <laughs> oh, it looks great. That was it the looks best awesome. I've ever there seen was actually, it. there was a lot of stuff that looked fantastic on this new set, and this is one of them. Really, like like honestly, for me, chill inducing opening all around. This opening segment was one of my fa- favorite segments of the year on WWE TV. Just not only the the level of import that it it, it engendered in its audience, but also uh, the excitement, the fun, everything. I loved it, and, and the the spectacle. Two, uh, Becky came out and basically introduced, hey, everybody, welcome to uh, SmackDown. Started saying how important it was to her that, uh, you know, that she was back on SmackDown, here on SmackDown. It's where she kind of cut her teeth. She is the first ever SmackDown woman's champ. Um, but uh, before long, she called out, you know who, and out came uh, The Rock. Uh, the Rock. Yes. Um, Nick, what did you feel when... Uh, when the rocks music hit here, um, gooseys. I actually felt gooseys. Uh, I haven't felt those in a really long time. But the back of my neck and my arm, forearms, him coming out and just walking. And, and I, you know what? I'm going to give a lot of credit to the Los Angeles crowd. Yeah, represent seriously. Yeah, like you guys showed the f up, and that whole that, that was one of the loudest pops I've heard all year. Was when hit. Oh, it's one of the loudest pops I've heard forever. Actually, I think I said in, in the forever. chat, I haven't heard Staples Center that live since we brought home the 2014 Cup, Kings. Yeah. So, th- yeah. <laughs> that was a huge. That place exploded. And I, I know we had a couple of people there. Uh, Esmeralda was there and a, a few of our other listeners, I believe. Uh, just that was just had to have been deafening uh, to, to hear that. Yeah. But yeah, for that would have I would have loved to have heard that pop live. I bet it was incredible. But I should point out that one of the reasons why that pop was so loud was because the Rock was out there because Baron Corbin had interrupted Becky Lynch right. first, and of course he did. Um, so here's here's what I want to talk about, Nick. Is the Rock came out basically verbally eviscerated Baron Corbin with the help of Becky Lynch, uh, who got in a couple one-liners of her own, and ended up in a in a scuffle. Uh, Corbin ate. You know, Becky beat him up. The Rock beat him up. He got tossed out of the ring. Honestly, the way that you would expect a heel to do in this kind of scenario. Sure. Um, do you feel this was an appropriate use of Corbin or a burial? Because I know that I've heard some people say both ways. And I've got my own opinion, but I want to get yours first. Was it to have this, Becky Lynch comes out, interrupted by Corbin. Uh, you know, he does this whole smarmy thing. The Rock comes out, gets a huge ovation, does all his Rock stuff. Uh, labels Corbin an STD, beats him up with Becky and tosses him out of the ring. Is this a burial of Corbin or is this something else? No, I don't think it's a burial of Corbin. I, I think we'll all forget about it next week. 
uh, once the celebrities and the and the legends go away. Um, the the point is is that he is king of the ring. There, and I feel like a lot of the missteps on this show were only there to put over the legends and highlight the fact that we had all these celebrities and all of that kind of stuff. But I want to give kudos to Corbin again. Much like earlier this year, he is he might be one of the best out there at just taking taking one on the chin and doing doing what's best for business. You know, if he's if being a team player, if he's the one that wants to be the chump that takes it from the rock, it's better him than somebody else right it, it may be in yeah. his eyes like he gets to be out in the ring with the rock and arguably the most prolific female superstar so i if i'm corbin i'm like this doesn't suck <laughs> no uh, not at all you, fact, i get to take a people's elbow this, and a rock bottom from the, the rock yeah, yeah sign yeah. me up please I, anyone who's looking at this and saying that corbin got buried here i don't think understands how proper heel dynamics work at like a top level sports entertainment uh level here like this is this is how a true heel is supposed to be used an, un, an uncool heel if you will a cool heel you don't want to see this happen to because it does undercut undercut their cool factor baron corbin is not a cool heel he is supposed to be a smarmy heel that people hate and when you see him get his comeuppance that's supposed to be the cathartic release that you're getting from it that's the basic foundations of sports entertainment is seeing some asshole get his comeuppance. You have to be able to establish that someone is an asshole first. And Corbin is brilliant at establishing that. And they know that backstage. That's why they give him all of these weapons to use. I'm king of the ring. I retired Kurt Angle. I did all of these things. And it makes you go, shut up. I know you did, but I hate it. Right? That is why he's one of the best pure heels working Today, you can send him out there with The Rock, have The Rock eviscerate him, and we're all sitting there going, yes, this is great, and Corbin can come back next week and run his mouth, and it won't be like he's any more unempowered because The Rock beat him up. I mean, The Miz was doing this for years in the WWE when he was the not cool heel. Yeah, Mizdow. Right? That, this was the whole kind and of the whole Mizdow dynamic. Even the, pure, the period right after Mizdow. And remember, Miz couldn't win a match to save his life around that time unless he cheated. Right, that's what that's what heels do. They cheat to win. One of the things they do. One of the a particular type of heel. Uh, and and also, you know, you you get beat up a lot. You show that you can't fight, but you just keep running your damn mouth. That's what's happening here. And then honestly, like the fact that now we have this new catchphrase, whether that'll catch on or not, I don't know. I think it was a little overplayed. But whether this STD, all that. Uh, you're you're oh yeah, you're such a strong a super, tough guy. You're like an STD. Dude. Whatever, but it's but that's the thing is that will that catch on? Won't it? I don't know. But the fact is, is that they're they're trying to give something else for the audience to chant at him, which you know creates that that fun dynamic in the yeah. crowd. We love to chant this thing for this guy. All of this I thought worked to ultimately elevate Corbin because of the role he plays, and to ha as you said, to have him out there in this segment with the Rock, with the top, uh, arguably the top woman draw that you have in the company. Um, that is a huge honor for him and a great position for him to be in. Now, if this was like Eric Rowan at WrestleMania 33, I think, when The Rock came out and just squashed him in a match, that's not so good. Yeah. It's it's fine, but it, you know, because you're out there with The Rock, but at the same time, like Rowan didn't get any time to show what he was. He was just out there being a big lunk. Right? Corbin was out here showing off how healy he could be. And it worked. Like he got time to like if you're a casual tuning in, 
you immediately hate this guy yeah, now. Absolutely. So, no. Um, the one thing I will say about this is um, I didn't really like Becky Lynch saying The Rock's line. It really only works for me if The Rock does it. And it's not a knock against Becky or how she delivered oh, it. Or, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you, what you think. It's about him. Is that what you think? Well, yeah, I think it doesn't matter. It needs to yeah. be that. And it's the interaction and the cutting him off. But Becky doing it. But people loved it because it, because it was the, the subversion of the trope. And Becky doing it felt cool to a lot of people. I, I you know, whatever. I, I think that's a, a subjective. Smarky purist, but yeah. That's, yeah, it's subjective. I know a lot of people that yeah. loved it too. Like there's a lot of that it. stuff. You know, I, I feel like uh, The Rock definitely overshadowed Becky. And that's one thing that I want to say before moving on from this segment was that if anything, this just proved that there is absolutely no one else in the business on The Rock's level and they're not building up anyone to be on that level. And that might be because Rock is a one in a million, um, but it's also, it just, it goes to show how they're just, yeah, there's just no one on that level anywhere in the company right no. now. I saw Hulk Hogan was interviewed on Colin Coward, part of the Fox promotional stuff on the Herd show. And one of the way that he described The Rock was that Hogan one time figured out it wasn't about the move, it was the look that he gave to the audience as the, the thing that would pop the crowd. So he kind of, he says he kicked that door open and then Rock just came through and ripped it off the hinges and just kept sprinting. Yeah. So with all mm -hmm. of his looks and his eyebrow and his shades and his interactions and his catchphrases and all... That's what really blew him up. It wasn't whether or not the people's elbow and the rock bottom were good moves or not. We've all oh, the rock didn't get that. over in his wrestling. Yeah, he, didn't, no. he didn't get over in his wrestling. <laughs> so, so as a sports entertainer, so when he's, the rock he's comes top out, tier. I want to hear the rock do all his his shtick. You know, so absolutely that's what I got kind of been out of. But, but at the same time, it was absolutely this was a great way to open the show. In my opinion. But at the same time, like you want to get some shine to Becky, and that absolutely did yeah. that. Um, in our chat right now, actually, there's a bit of a debate as to whether or not this undercuts Corbin because he is king of the ring and now because he has that accolade. And I would say that, you know, king of the ring hasn't really been that prestigious in a long time, yeah. if you really look at it. And, and, and that might be a controversial hot take there, but let's look at who's held it. Um, you know, even when Booker T was king of the ring, it was kind of a comedy, it was played for comedy. Like it really. Yes, on the one hand, Baron Corbin can rest on those laurels when he needs to, and the announcers can say, don't forget, he won King of the Ring because he genuinely did win it. But at the same time, it also is a bit of a gag. Like, he's coming out, and like, Rock even made fun of him for dressing up like a, you know, crackhead Burger King, whatever it was. Uh, You're coming out, 35 and a, year like, old just because you, Comic -Con or something. just because you win King of the Ring doesn't actually make you a king. Why are you wearing a crown and a cape? Yeah. Um, and which is which is a bit of WWE poking fun at itself, but it's also you know I can see I can see how it could be perceived as being damaging to the character. But at this point, the way that Baron Corbin is playing King of the Ring, it's as an obnoxious character. You can have it be an accolade another year and build it up as such. This year, he's King of the Ring, and it annoys the shit out of us because why did he of all people win that tournament? Right, and that's the point of yep. it. Yep. Absolutely. Is my, is my response to that. Uh, Nick, let's move on to talk about the rest of the show. I'd say it was pretty light in the middle uh, with the possible exception of the ladder match. We had a uh, we opened the show with Becky and Charlotte versus Bailey and Sasha in a four-horsewomen tag match, which I can only describe as by the numbers. 
Um, yeah, it was just kind of it was just kind of there. I don't even think it was as good as the last time they tagged together. No, it wasn't. And you know, to get to the end, Bailey ate the pin because at the time she didn't have a match scheduled for Hell in a Cell. She was the only one in the <laughs> ring. Well, now we do know that she's going to have a match with well with Charlotte. To be clear, she and Charlotte didn't have a, a match at Hell in a Cell, and they made a match because Charlotte tapped her out. Right. At the end of this match, you know, they started off with this match. The commentary saying Bailey feels like she doesn't get as much respect as the other four four horsewomen, and that she's kind of the she's the 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 least of them. Well, then she taps out to Charlotte and eats the pin in this match. So, way to have the booking undercut what you're trying to sell us on commentary. Yeah. Yep. Um, do you think that that? Uh, all right. So Charlotte Charlotte and Bailey has now been made official for. So we have uh, four matches now for, for Sunday. Sunday? We have four matches for our pickums. It's going to be great at the yes. end of this. Uh, <laughs> I'll try. Stakes. I'll check Twitter. I'll check Twitter right before we go and see if they've announced any more matches. Okay. But um, yeah, so at this point, like, does is Bailey kind of dead in the water? Did they give Charlotte the win here because it's the casuals, and then Bailey wins on Sunday? Like, obviously, we'll discuss this in the pickums. But what was the thought behind having Bailey eat the pin here? The same, just to set up the, just to set up the same match? thought that I had with Brock beating Kofi the last few weeks. Is of course they're going to put the title back on Charlotte to be. They have to have their big superstars uh, as the title holders now that it's moved to Fox, uh, and mm. we have to at least start there, right? We have to. I think we have to set the stage that this is who's going to be the the top male and female on the each of the on the SmackDown for Fox. There, it feels like they're dictating that a little bit. Um, and, and of course, Vince is all over both Brock and uh, and Charlotte being you know those gatekeepers. But at the same time, it's like she hasn't really done much. I was really high on her being getting a championship opportunity and having this little bit of a run. Um, there's different ways they could have done it, which I've gone over ad nauseum at this point. But, I mean, yeah, it's 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 kind of they're telegraphing exactly what their intentions are at this point. So You think? Yeah, I think so. Mm, okay. I, 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 there's a part of me, and again, I'm probably the last person who should be picking this now, given what happened in the main event. But there's part of me that thinks that uh, they're the fact that Bailey at the pin here was to make Charlotte look good on on this show, and then there'll be a surprise upset on Sunday. But we will see. We will see. Uh, we also had Seth Rollins, the Universal Champ, had a match with the Intercontinental Champ Shinsuke Nakamura. But before that match started, we did have a Firefly Funhouse segment, which terrified the Fox executives. But was a, I, honestly, I thought was a really good way to build this match on Sunday. We, we've been speculating how exactly these segments are going to work in practice as building matches. Nick, I got to say they're doing a fantastic job with this one, with him introducing all of the puppets to a potentially new audience. And uh, the last one being Ramblin' Rabbit, who comes out in Seth Rollins' cosplay. And Bray not really liking that, so he put him in a in a fake hell in a cell and had Mercy the Buzzard kill him. Awesome. Um, and wads and wads of like stuffing getting thrown. In. That was the best part <laughs> uh, the, of the whole stuffing. thing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was. I thought it was brilliant. Um, I loved Seth's reaction to it too. I thought this, uh, his reaction was perfect, where he was just he was partially uh, just made uncomfortable by it, but it also looked like he was annoyed. Like it was a, it was a perfect reaction. That that whole thing, I loved it. Um, and it sucks because Nakamura and Seth were on their way to having a really fun match too when it was interrupted by the lights going out and Seth ran to the top of the stage to try to get away and the Fiend got him up there and, and put him down. And shout out to Nakamura for also selling the fear of the Fiend. Uh, they, did a, yeah. they did a quick two-second cut back to Nakamura after Seth had left and run to and the top of the And they had him ramp. lit. And they had he him lit lightly, dimly lit in the ring looking around and also scared 
uh, and yeah. looking for who's he coming for? So I want to say this real quick: Is this going to get old at some point? Is is the are the lights? Uh, is Bray sneaking up from behind and mandible clawing somebody going to get old at some point? I'd love to hear from you guys in the chat too. What you are? Is this where I, I feel like? You know, I talk about diminishing returns a lot, and it just feels like we're doing the same thing over the course of the last few weeks. And I'm just going, all right, yeah, okay, it's predictable at this point. When do, yeah. when are we going to do something new and different? Anything done ad nauseum will become uh, old really quick. Yeah. And 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 WWE does have a habit of overexposing things that are working, um, but for right now, it still works. And I I'd like to hope that they change it up a bit. Uh, in the future, and it's not just always like this whenever Wyatt has a feud. Um, it is a new thing still. This is still his first feud. If this is how they get us to hell in a cell, I think it's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not mad at it yet, but if this is, as you say, if this is every time he just mandible claws people like 10 times before the, the big blow-off at the pay-per-view, yeah, it's going to get a little bit old. Um, that being said, you know, if it's something like this where you don't know who he's going to get, right, and everyone's in fear of him, that's kind of fun too. What I will say is not getting old is the way that they take the lights down that, with the bzz, 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 and then that that horn that they do. The oh, anticipation of it. Yeah. The anticipation. As soon as that first light goes down, everyone in the crowd, I could see people running in from the concourse up on the up on the second level. Like people went, oh, that's the oh, and they came running back in. People stood up like they know. As soon as that first hits, something's afoot, and that's. You know, you always talk about how important the glass shatter was for Stone Cold. It's the anticipation. Or like, you know, if you look at the pop for The Rock, if you smile, right, that starts up before his music and everyone ah, loses their mind. Yep. It's kind of like that. It's that anticipation. Uh, there was a lot of anticipation for the next match. Kevin Owens versus Shane in the ladder match. The career's on the line. A briefcase hanging above the ring with uh, two, two pieces of paper allegedly in it. Both of them termination forms. And whoever won could sign the other one's termination form. Uh, Kevin Owens, he is a ladder match technician. So I was excited for the fact that I love ladder matches. I was excited for this. Uh, Nick, I'm very curious to hear your opinion because I thought not only did this ladder match kick seven sorts of ass, yeah. uh, but this was finally what we've wanted for a long time, what you have wanted for a long time, which was that at the very end, Kevin Owens powerbombs Shane off of the ladder onto another ladder. Shane crumples outside the ring, and Kevin Owens climbs up to grab the briefcase and then climbs back down, grabs Shane McMahon, and screams at him, you're fired. The, the nine-month, maybe longer reign of terror of Shane McMahon <laughs> allegedly has come to an end, and we'll see what happens. I would not be surprised... If something happened and we ended up with some kind of Shane McMahon, Kevin Owens, Hell in a Cell match tomorrow night. <laughs> no. Shane needs to no. jump off something and it's Hell in a Cell. What's Hell in a Cell he without Shane McMahon? He already jumped off everything in the match. I know. I, but we've only got four it. matches, so I wouldn't be surprised. Dude, I want to go, out, I wanna go on, on record here and say thank you, Shane. Thank you. Because, uh, yeah, that's right. The people are so, they're so sick of how Shane is being presented, they forget how awesome Shane is for the age he's at. He's good. The things he's doing for you guys. He's coming off the top turnbuckle all the way to the announced desk, putting Kevin Owens through it. He's coast to coasting. He's, he's taking a power bomb off a ladder. This guy took some, he took all of his big bumps in this match. He took some insane bumps in this match. He worked his 
ass off. And frankly, like despite again the presentation over the last few months, I even liked how he was built up even up into WrestleMania and shortly afterwards. I think there was a lot of good in a lot of this, and I was entertained by a lot of it. I do agree that it did get old in the tooth, and they lost their way at a certain point. They really lost their way in the last month or two. I take nothing away um, from him as, as a performer, as an in-ring worker. He's fantastic. Okay. He does everything there. It's the, That's I, did, what I'm I can't stand the other stuff. Um, Fine. You so you, you didn't like how he, so you're with me. You didn't like how he was presented the last few months, Yeah. but you don't take nothing away from him. As a guy at his age doing the kind of spots that he I does. think this match overperformed if I had to rate it. I, I was not expecting it to be as good as it was and for the hits and the bumps to be as hard as they were. Both of those yep. guys, I mean, the frog splash off the top turnbuckle to a bridged ladder. Oh, oh that was out, oh, out. Oh, the one outside. Oh, God. And that angle they had on that, the shot, the camera angle made it look like Kevin Owens came yeah, out I of mean, the rafters. That was an up, yeah, definitely an up angle um, for sure. Oh. Woo. Very good shot there. Uh, it's a consideration for the banner, honestly, um, that I had have written a note down for. Um, yeah, where does KO go from here? Where does Shane go from here? I, it, it's alleged that Shane's going to be off well, TV for a month or more. Um, I don't know what that means. Quite, quite a lot longer. Oh, okay, really? What do you have? I have I have him being out for at least six months, if not longer. Oh, wow. and it's I think with the, with good reason um, because he needs to reset. I think people now, when they see him, they have that initial gut reaction of Oh God, right? Yeah. They've got to reset him, like have him go away, have him go away, cleanse the palate. Um, again, when I when I say like I, it's like seriously, dude, like I I am very much still bullish on Shane McMahon, but he does need to go away for people to remember how awesome he is. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, I, I'm fine. I I agree. He needs to go away. Kevin Owens can go and do whatever. There's nothing really that we can say is set up. Like we can't on anything uh, on SmackDown here. We can't say, oh, this is where it's going, beyond hell in a cell, because next week's the draft. So uh, there's no feud that happened on the show that's going to be necessarily consistent. Um, why was he headbutting had... the briefcase, by the That was the only other question I had. Well, he did it three times. I, he was just slamming his head into the briefcase. Is that part of some new gimmick that he's trying to do? That's that's old school coming up. Okay. He's just, All right. Yeah. He's, he's, he's just unhinged. He's fired up. He's firing himself up. <laughs> yeah. I got it. I thought, maybe, he was, I thought, I thought he was trying to bust was, himself open just to have color might, or something maybe. like that. <laughs> that would have been, oh, been great. That would have been great. Uh, no, but again, like I, like I said, we really didn't have any new feuds. Started. We, we instead had a couple of matches just to get everybody out there. We had uh, a four-on-four tag match, Braun Strowman and Heavy Machinery and The Miz versus Randy Orton, AJ Styles, Bobby Roode, and Dolph Ziggler. It was uh, nothing to this match. A couple of people got their shit in. Some people didn't get anything in. And it ended up with Braun Strowman running around outside and getting into the face of Tyson Fury. Uh, Who's Tyson boxing Fury in case champ people champ. don't know who he is? Heavyweight boxing champ champ. And big dude. I, I knew he was big. I didn't know he was like Braun Strowman size. That's a big boy. That's a big boy. Uh, but yeah, so th the point of this was after the match, Fury came over the barricade and tried to get at Braun. Um and now it's being reported that Tyson Fury is actually scheduled to appear on Raw this week. So it looks like we're having some sort of hot-shotted angle, Tyson Fury versus Braun Strowman. Oh, all right, then. Uh, and that was all this match was for. Yeah. We had another match afterwards, which was Rowan versus Roman Reigns. We know we're getting Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan versus Rowan and Luke Harper this weekend. As you'd expect with this match, it was a straightforward match until Harper came out to try and interrupt it. Daniel Bryan came in, and there was a whole scuffle. But the reason there was a big scuffle is because it was a lumberjack match. We basically had everybody uh, in the upper mid-card who wasn't in the show around the ring. Poor Chad Gable. Including... 
it, well, including Ricochet, including Shinsuke, like a lot of people were out there. I was kind of like, really? He's a lumberjack today? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it was basically just a big gold cluster. And uh, I think just a way to get a lot of people's faces on TV. Yeah. But uh, do you feel like this? Mm, do you feel like this was mostly made to make Rowan feel like more of a threat? Because he did look really dominant here. At one point, he went outside the ring. The lumberjacks all jumped them, and he fought them all off. Yeah, he, him being able to scare off the lumberjacks was a cool moment. That was that was one of my you know the, the, to me one of the callouts of this match was that. And they're trying to build him up. Plus, he also had Daniel Bryan on commentary, you know, talking about the history of him and Rowan and giving that kind of background and all that stuff. So I, I think they were doing a lot here. Two things, really. I think this, it's obviously the beginning of the turn back. You know, I, th- I think eco-heeled Daniel Bryan is done, Ugh. thankfully. I, I know. He kills me. He kills me. Well, is the, he started doing the yes stuff, I think, at the end. I, uh, I don't know, we'd have to ask. Well, he was encouraging. He wasn't doing it, but he was encouraging the fans to do it. He was doing this, right? Uh, well, he kind of waving to, waving to the crowd like, yeah. come on, guys. So, dude. Esmeralda, you were there. I see you in the chat. Let us know. Uh, did you did the whole did Staples Center start yes chanting? Uh, at the end when Roman Reigns ultimately lands a spear uh, on a weakened Rowan and gets the one, two, three. And then afterwards, Daniel Bryan extends his hand to Roman Reigns and they shake hands at the end of the match, uh, ending, I believe, the heel era of Daniel Bryan for this year. Possibly, possibly. I, I smell a swerve. I hope this is swerved because I'm not ready to have Daniel Bryan go face again. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a second. Real quick, Rowan and Harper shirt watch. Oh, shirt watch. watch. Shirt watch. Yeah, Power Wolf Repeats on again. Rowan. Yeah, yeah, repeat and and hate breed again those, for Harper. Those boys like I, hate breed. I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> or maybe they I just like they their lo- t-shirts. <laughs> well, they lost the suitcase. And that's the only one they had in the backpack. Right, I don't know, yeah. but uh, yeah, of all the ones for them to wear a lot, of, I know you love hate breed, but oh, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of uh, eh, take them or leave them. Uh, finally, okay, Nick, this is uh, let me let me stretch before this one. We Why? have the you, WWE. You need, you, the match will be over before you're done stretching. I will talk about this match for longer than the match actually went. Um, the the WWE Championship match, Brock Lesnar versus Kofi Kingston. I will fully admit, Kofi got me. Uh, he got me hoping. There was a there was a lot of things that I was looking where I was saying, okay, what are the ways that Kofi can win here? Uh, because every bit of logic, every bit of of what I know about WWE says they're going to have Kofi get squashed. Um, and between Kofi's promos and the fact that Paul Heyman said, you know, that it was not, it was a spoiler that you will hear the words and new universal heavyweight champion, Brock Lesnar, reigning, defending Brock Lesnar. Um, I was trying to like parse his words, like, okay, maybe I'll hear it, but it's not because Brock won, right? Like I was, I had all the tin, my tinfoil hat went on, Nick. I'll, I'll fully admit it. They had me flipped. I actually thought Kofi had a chance. And that was squashed in about three seconds, along with Kofi. When Brock Lesnar came out, the bell rang. F5123, new champ Brock Lesnar. And Kofi Kingston gets tossed aside like yesterday's garbage. Uh, Before we get into the next angle, what happened after? Actually, no, let's talk about that because that is relevant to this. Uh, Because Kofi gets tossed outside the ring. The crowd is livid. And then all of a sudden, Rey Mysterio's music hits. And everyone goes, what? Is he going to revenge himself from what happened on Monday with what Brock does to Dominic? And sure enough, he, out, he walked out with a big dude, kind of looked like a meaner-looking Dominic. But it wasn't Dominic. It was, that's got to be, that's got to be Kane. It was Kane Velasquez, 
who, by the way, if you remember last week's show, I did speculate. I had heard a rumor that he might be coming out for this. Uh, he might be coming out to feud with Brock. Sure enough, here he was. Uh, there's been a bidding war for Kane. He was, uh, he was working in AAA. He'd worked with Cody, and actually, in AAA, was being trained by Cody. So everyone thought he was going to AEW. Apparently, WWE made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Yeah, chance and, to get his hands uh, on Brock again. again. Well, yeah, like it's going to be a real chance. Well. Uh, <laughs> but at any rate, yeah, Kane Velasquez, former UFC heavyweight champion, the guy who back in 2010, 11, gave Brock Lesnar his most significant loss, took the title from him. First round TKO um, to Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Beat the crap out of him yeah. too, man. Brock was trying to cover up and Kane was just like finding ways around his arms every time. Uh, he came out with Rey Mysterio, not looking his best, I got to say. Like he, if, you, if you didn't know who he was, you'd be like, who's this guy? He's a little doughy. Um, doesn't mean he's not absolutely terrifying. Oh, God. But. The best part of this whole <laughs> thing, like put aside what you think about whether what happened to Kofi was right or wrong. The best part, that's a separate discussion you can have another time. The best part about this whole thing to me was – I have. I, I don't know if I've ever seen Brock Lesnar scared. I don't know if I've ever seen that in his eyes like or this. that reaction on his face. But I think the the what worked for this and the commentary kind of did a decent job of saying this. But I think they could have done more. Th- that Kane Velasquez is like the one guy that Brock Lesnar never got, got over. That he's still yeah. scared of and all. And you could yes. see it in his face. And I think that, to me, and, and for those of you that were in attendance, you weren't getting all of that. You, you probably couldn't see uh, Brock's face like we could see it on TV. Um, yeah. But uh, that was language, delivered like very, yeah. very well. I, I, I'm not a big Brock Lesnar fan. But when he does this right, he's really good at it. And Brock is a great seller, and he's a, he's a great, uh, I don't want to say actor, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Where he's, he's good at selling uh, an angle. When he when he wants to, yeah. he's really good at it. He did really uh, good. At he's this. a great performer. Yeah, he's a great performer. And Kane jumped in the ring, uh, beat the you know started throwing shots at him. Brock rolled out and went up the ramp and basically acted scared the rest of the show. And that was it. And Kane posed in the ring with Rey Mysterio. Brock was at the top of the ramp asking the camera crew if it was okay if he if he could leave. Yeah. Um, stay. So <laughs> stay. I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna start doing uh, that at the end of every show. Stay. St- no. Okay. Stay. No. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> All right. So now that we got the the whole everything everything out there, I just, this is just uh, this 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 gutted me. This gutted me. And and whether or not you were over Kofi's run or you believe that he was a legit champ, to have him go out in three seconds after everything, um, for me, it felt like he was done dirty. It was disrespectful, I, I felt, as far as from a booking standpoint. He's taken out Samoa and Joe. Even, he's taken out Randy you, Orton. He's taken out Daniel yeah. Bryan. Like, he's proven that he can get over the big boys. And to be fair, to be fair, I posted this in the Busted Wide Open Facebook discussion group. He did give an interview backstage afterwards that was on WW.com that I felt really, for me, smoothed over some of the rough edges of the booking in how he took it, where he said, yeah, whoa, I thought I was ready and I was not uh, lapse in judgment, but I'm going to come back stronger kind of thing. I liked that. I liked the way that he sold it for them, but it doesn't negate the fact that the booking really undercut a lot of the last six months. And it also, to me, really felt like 
um, a lot of the goodwill that WWE was trying to engender by being like, look at us, we're so progressive. We've got Kofi Kingston. He was part of all the advertisement and everything. Um, it really undercut a lot of that to have Brock Lesnar come back in and squash Kofi and then go straight into a feud with Kane. And the, the reason for that is, and I know that Kofi tried to do a little work about putting Kane into a, a feud with him as well. Like, you know, he'd be set up some stuff where he would feud with Kane as well. All right, fine. Um, I actually saw a post online that, that, that put this in, like it took the words out of my mouth which was from a storytelling standpoint, if you are creating a story arc, in the first third, the hero needs to be knocked down and defeated so that he can come back in the third act. Sure. Right? Yep. If you have the hero knocked down in the first act and then someone else comes in and they finish the story, then you leave that unfulfilled. Sure. And that doesn't pay off and it, there's, you don't have any investment in the new guy. You know, okay, this is, this is a really weird... <laughs> very obscure reference, but anyone who ever watched Death Note, the anime, knows how this works. If you kill off the, one of the main heroes halfway through and then have someone to step in to take their place, it's never going to be as much of a cathartic payoff because you're like, well, I never got to, f- I never felt like the guy that I was rooting for the entire time uh, had that, that ending that I wanted him to have. And if they're not careful with Kofi, that's going to be the case here because one thing I want to point out is after this went off the air, not only do we have people that were in the arena uh, saying that it was an era of disappointment, people were furious, there was an AEW chant that broke out. Um, there's a lot of reports of this coming out afterwards that people were, were pissed leaving this. Booing, all kinds of uh, stuff. Oh, yeah. The main trending topic by nearly double after the show went off the air was not SmackDown. It was not Brock Lesnar. It was not Cain Velasquez. None of the people that they, like, not their show and not the two people they were highlighting at the end of the show the number one trending topic was Kofi. That was the trend. That was what people focused on. And again, whether or not you were sick of Kofi's reign, this was not the way to end it. I agree. It's with, not I, I was sick of Kofi's reign. How. This was not the way to do it. I will step up right? and say that. Yep. And I've said, I've said this time and time again with WWE booking. It's not who, it's how. Charlotte Flair and Asuka at WrestleMania, right? When, when Charlotte beats Asuka, breaks her streak. It's not that it was Charlotte. It was how Charlotte did it. That was Immediate that was the problem out, with that. Know, just Immediate tap out the figure. No, it's ridiculous. So and the same thing here. I don't. If you wanted to have Brock win, that's fine. Give Kofi five minutes. Give him something. Yeah, Finn We're Balor used, took you know him I mean? to task uh, earlier this year. You know why? Something. Why can't Kofi do that same thing? You know. And I know that they were running up against the time. They wanted to look like they wouldn't gonna, weren't going to overrun on Fox. Uh, they even they ended three minutes early. They ended the show three minutes early. Um, so I know that they were worried about that, and they wanted to get straight to the Kane stuff in case that ran long. But that's still no excuse, in my opinion. That's just, that's unprofessional if that's the case. If you can't make that show go off the air at the right time and give Kofi something, then what the hell are you doing running a billion-dollar company? Yeah, I agree. So the, I, it really left, left a sour taste in my mouth. It still does. Um, and there's, and here's the thing, devil's advocate. There's a lot. I, I understand why they want to have Brock versus Kane. That's a big money match. Um, I understand why they want to have Brock as their champ because Vince has a boner for MMA guys who can kick so all sorts of Fox, ass. You know, they just lost the UFC to ESPN. So it took it makes the words a lot out of, of my mouth. Yep. Fox, this Fox is looking at this going. Yes, this is what we want at the top of our card. 
absolutely. When's Ronda Rousey coming back? Because we can't wait to have her on Fox, right? They sold it on Ronda Rousey, and then she went to go get pregnant, right? They sold sold them this bill of sale. So this is absolutely had to do with Fox as well. Um, and on, here we here's here's another crazy thing, Nick. That's really gonna flip your wig. Do you know when the first Kane Velasquez Brock Lesnar match is scheduled for? Uh, if you'd crown jewel, October thirty first. Of course it is. Of course it is. So that's been <laughs> that's had to have been scheduled now for months. We've they've had to have known this was gonna happen for months, which would probably take me back to uh, the Brock Lesnar with the Brock Lesnar cash in. Am I going back far? Uh. Because Brock, so it was my thoughts that they were going to do this to put the title on. Only he was going to take it off of Roman, yeah. That that, well, that Roman was going to take it off of uh, of Brock going into Fox. That was my initial thought six months ago, uh, or I guess post Mania. Once we saw that Brock Lesnar was going to win this, my, it was my whole thing that Roman Reigns was going to carry the WWE Championship onto Fox last night. Which right. you know, I'm glad it hasn't worked out that way for the record. Um, but yeah, this it just you could go back. They would have had to have been planning this for a long time to do, get the contracts with Kane worked out, um, to get uh, the, the. You want to know something crazy? Yeah. You want to know something crazy? No, this thing with Kane was worked was worked out within the last week. That's crazy. That's how. That's how. That's how close to board they they did this. That's crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was. It's been in the works for a while. Kane was at the Performance Center uh, earlier this year. Uh, they've been in talks with him for a while, but it was ironed out. Within the last week, because he was in talks with AEW within the last month too. Yeah. So yeah, that's not, this, this. It's a crazy business, Nick. Um, one thing I will say before we move on is this obsession with having MMA guys look that much more dominant than anyone else on your roster. Um, for those of you who are into wrestling history, go Google Antonio Inoki and what he did to New Japan with his obsession with MMA back in the early two thousands, late nineties. Those who cannot remember history are doomed to repeat it, and I want to make people aware of what happened there uh, and how his obsession with shoot style uh, yeah. work and and MMA and trying to you know put MMA guys over his existing wrestlers, how that gutted New Japan for nearly a decade. Um, so I, I I have to say that, like there's a bit of an echo of that that I'm starting to see here, and. I, I don't think that it's anywhere near as pervasive as what was happening in New Japan and and with Antonio Inoki wherever he went. Uh, but it's it's for sure a uh, a precedent that I'm looking very closely at. Yeah, with WWE for sure. Between Ronda Rousey, Cain Velasquez, and Brock Lesnar, um, that's that's a dangerous thing to say. Is that you have this whole roster of sports entertainers, but if you're a real fighter, we're going to present them as being more badass than all the rest of you. And at what point do these that's, guys kind of go rogue, get really pissed at each other, and just shoot fight, shoot on each other? In well, the let's of a be ring, let's you know? be clear. <laughs> let's be clear. Brock Lesnar can kick anyone's ass backstage, pretty much. Yeah, I think there's 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 not a lot of people that could genuinely take him out. Um, there's an argument that there's a couple people, but yeah, like Steve Blackman's not <laughs> yeah. the WWE anymore. <laughs> Kurt Angle, Shamrock, Kurt Angle very famously. You know, bring Cam Shamrock Kurt, back. He's still out there doing stuff. Kurt Angle famously beat him in a, in a shoot wrestling match uh, backstage back in the day. Or was it on the plane? No, it was Mr. Perfect on the plane. But it was, uh, but yeah, like Kurt Angle legit beat him back in the day. And uh, I guess Jericho squared up to him after the Randy Orton incident but uh, when he busted his head open. Yeah. But not a lot of people, I think, would actually genuinely want to fight Brock. He's one of the scariest guys on the planet, legitimately. So 
there is that. Uh, there's a lot more to unpack there, Nick, but I'm sure we'll do that over the next few weeks. That was the inaugural episode of SmackDown Live, and it was the, also the go-home show for Hell in a Cell, which is strange because apparently WWE spending so much time on the Raw season premiere and putting SmackDown up on Fox that they spent absolutely no time building up their pay-per-view, which they're having this Sunday. We've only got four matches announced. What the heck? Uh, is there even a Hell in a... It's the Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks is the Hell in a Cell match that we've got. Oh, we've got Seth and The Fiend. That's right. we got two, yeah. So we've got four matches I, uh, that we're going to call really quickly because we got to get moving. we got tons of shit to talk about still. Um, <laughs> uh, let's do our pick'ems really quick. Uh, Bailey versus Charlotte for the SmackDown Live women's title officially announced, I believe, after last night's show. Uh, now on the card for Hell in a Cell tomorrow, Sunday, October 6th. Uh, who do you got here, Ian? Bailey or Charlotte? Uh, you know, I'm going to go Bailey just because I, I, I genuinely, I, I, I'm going to stick with my stupid optimism from SmackDown and to say that, like, to there, it's it's going to it's going to kill Bailey if she loses to Charlotte here. It's just straight killer. Although, no, I'm not going to be an idiot. I'm going to Charlotte Flair. I'm going to Charlotte yeah. Flair because here's the thing. I think that I'm going to pick uh, Sasha to win that match. And I think Bailey and Sasha are going to go to Raw, and you'll have Becky and, and Charlotte over on uh, SmackDown. So. Yep, yep, yep. I say Charlotte's going to win here so that Bailey c- can go back to Raw. All right. Roman and Daniel Bryan versus Rowan. Roman and Daniel Bryan versus Rowan and Harper. God, it's a pain in the butt. What do you think is happening here? Uh, Roman and Daniel Bryan. Really? Yep. All right. This is the come up. Uh, I will. Uh, this won't be the last time they feud. I don't know. I don't. You know. I hope it is. But I, I would. I don't want the Bludgeon Brothers to come back. But I would love to see Rowan and Harper officially get back into the tag division. Um. I just remember how good they were in the Wyatt family, and, and I just remember how good Harper is, and I'm so happy to see him back. But I, I don't want this to be the feud that defines them. I, I want them. To, Roman and Daniel Bryan will be fine, but I don't know if these two can survive independently without each other. So I think the best thing to do for Rowan and Harper is put them back in the tag division. And I agree, but but I think differently. I think that Daniel Bryan's. I think we're getting a swerve. This is what I hope. This is what I hope, man. Uh, Daniel Bryan turns on Roman Reigns, goes back heel again, and joins up with Rowan and Harper. I really hope. That. I hope. Like, that I think happens. it's a little. You know, it's a little stale to have Rowan and Harper and a mastermind doing this again. But maybe there'll be a fun, different dynamic with Daniel Bryan at the helm. I don't know. I just I don't want to see I don't want to fe- see face Daniel Bryan again. I don't want to see Rowan and Harper just off on their own in a tag team together with no direction. Uh, and they don't they aren't being ever being presented like they tried with Rowan. They're trying to make him out to be a quote unquote mastermind. I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it at all. So hopefully, 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 uh, something interesting happens here because if this is a straightforward match and Daniel Bryan and Roman just win yay the heroes persevere oh oh, oh god that's boring I think that's exactly what we're going to get unfortunately Uh, Becky Lynch versus Sasha Banks in a hell in a cell match for the Raw women's title what do you think is happening here sir because I think she's going over to Smackdown with Charlotte you need to send the Raw tag championship back to Raw with Sasha Banks to join Bayley so I'm going to call Sasha Banks to unseat Becky Throne here as the Raw Women's Champion. Agreed, and you have to put Sasha over at this point. She's got she lost she, the last. She's got to have that signature win at this point. She's got to have the signature win. She's lost her last Hell in a Cell. She lost every championship match against Charlotte. She's got 
to win here. And she has that if reputation, if you this. remember from a year ago, of never being able to long-term defend. Win the big one. Right? And, mm-hmm. and retain a championship. I think this might be the time where they're going to give her a decent reign over on Raw, transitioning Becky to uh, SmackDown with Charlotte now that they're on Fox. They have to. Yeah. Uh, Seth versus The Fiend <sighs> in a Hell in a Cell match for the Universal Championship. This is this is a tough one, yeah, Nick. What uh, what do you what do you think is happening here? Um, they could they could go seventeen different ways from Sunday on this one. They could. Um, I it's a hell in a cell match. They're going to be locked in the cage. There's no escape. It has to be pinfall or submission, right? In inside the cage, there's no like escaping the the cell, right? None of that stuff. So at the end of the day here, I, I'm torn because Seth is the better champion, but if you don't anoint the feet they haven't kept it in their pants for the record that's the one thing i wanted to say we've been preaching you got to keep it in your pants you got to make it a big deal when it happens so that it makes it worth it when you do unseat someone that's top tier like a seth or a braun or a drew mack or whoever the champion would have been at the time demon finn balor i think is what we all projected by wrestlemania you know something like that that ain't happening (laughs) as we know now which we'll get to oh boy um uh can can the fiend survive and continue if he doesn't unseat Seth Rollins? Can he is the fiend as terrifying if Seth Rollins can curb stomp him and retain his championship? I don't think so. So that's where I'm torn here. I, I don't. I, I'm still trying to make a decision of what I want to call. I, my gut tells me Seth's the better champion, but it makes all the sense in the world to put the title on the fiend. Make a decision, sir. Fiend has to win. I'm going to pick the Fiend. I, and I don't like having All to make right. that choice. I don't like wow. the position they've put me in having to make that choice. <laughs> Those sons of you bitches. Son man. of a bitch. All right. This is a tough one for me too, man, because I that that's I'm going to pick Seth uh, because I think there's ways to get out of this and have him retain his title. I don't think they've made it look like the Fiend gives a crap about the title at this point. He's just doing this to mess with Seth yeah. to I think he just wants to hurt Seth and I think there's a way out of this where the fiend doesn't win but doesn't lose as well I don't think you have to have him be curb stomped for this to end um, I think he could destroy Seth and Seth could still have the title but he could destroy him mentally I think that you it would be strange to have Brock on Smackdown as the champ and the fiend on Raw as the champ two guys who wouldn't really be defending it on your week-to-week shows. I also have a hunch I think Seth ha- might be going to SmackDown. That's the other reason I'm picking this. Not with Roman over there. I think Roman's going to be going to SmackDown, and Seth is going to stay on Raw. So, but you know, we'll see you next week. Everything's <laughs> everything's up in the air. Yeah. Who knows, man? It's all it's it's really tough to call this because we really don't know where a lot of this is going, and you know, who, Vince's mind could be changing day to day, and probably is. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Seth just to be uh, perverse, and because I think there's a good chance. Uh, I, I think that they, they shouldn't put the title on The Fiend at this point. I agree. Just be, they shouldn't. Be too, it's too unwieldy. It's too unwieldy given everything else about his character. Let me do, um, let me do this because I'm, I'm, I'm circling need. around things right now in my head. I want, this is one of those where I want to say Seth retains, but not in a traditional finish, not in a legitimate finish. It's one of the – I don't know. You can't DQ because it's a Hell in a Cell match. How else do you finish this match – is somebody going to open the door and come in and interfere? That is something. Something weird I is going to happen out, here. 
I want to point out that with Bray Wyatt, they've had horrible, stupid things like holograms appearing out of the ring. Uh, they've had the little kid that comes out of the crowds and, and sings in the doorway. He's got the whole world in his hands, right? Remember that? Yeah. They've had a couple of really stupid finishes to Bray Wyatt matches where you go, oh, this has to be a pinfall or, or, or you know, a submission. There's no way they can finish this. Oh, they'll, they'll find it. They'll find some dumb way to finish this that's, that's spooky-ooky-ooky. But, I mean, he's, but he's gotten retains. Seth into the mandible claw and completely debilitated him for three or four times now over the last month. So I, it's another reason why I think Seth, Seth is retaining. Like, you know, but, but again... He, so the whole thing has... The story has to be that he can't get <sighs> Seth into the mandible claw because if he does, it would make no sense if Seth got out of it somehow. That's where I'm, that's where I'm so spun unless, up unless, on unless, unless, Well, okay, I'm not, we're not going to go too far down that rabbit hole, but suffice <laughs> it to say... <laughs> Suffice it to say, I think there'll be some kind of screwy finish to this. Butter said, knowing uh, WWE, the fiend will get counted out, even though it's in a in a KSL match. <laughs> yep, something like something that. Stupid. He'll he'll grab a monitor from underneath the ring and electrocute himself. Yeah, Seth retains, oh, wait, no, that, but this isn't gonna. Dean this isn't. I'm changing my. Th- this is gonna be. Seth. No, you're too late. You're locked in. You're locked in. What? I, I yeah. This isn't, I chose gonna, Seth this isn't gonna finish clean. I can. I just what? Come on, man. You just lo- you locked yourself in, fine. and then I convinced you to go fine. the other you way. Didn't convince me. I'm still my head's. Still I did. On it. That's fine. <laughs> fiend, okay. fiend. Now you can fine. do whatever you want. Fiend. Whatever. Yeah. Go for fiend. More, oh, more shit when, on when Naya. The, uh, you know, the, over time. When the when the when the fiend wins, you'll be so happy with yourself, won't you? No, I will not. I will not. No. All I do is win. Yeah. Win, 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 win. Well, guys, there you go. There's SmackDown in our Hell in a Cell picks, but we're not done. We got more show to do. We got to go talk about the Wednesday Night War kicking things off with AEW's Dynamite. Well, Nick, we spent a lot of time on SmackDown, which means we've got to run through AEW Dynamite. That's okay because it's mostly just matches and not really plot, Uh, but some very entertaining stuff. Cody versus Sammy Guevara. Opened up the show in a very entertaining match. Uh, do you think this was worthy of the first match ever on AEW placement? Yes, I think it. it uh, did. It, I it, think it, it needed it, it Cody, held it up. Cody and Brandy coming out. Pyro Cody is. Everybody mm-hmm. knows Cody. I think the problem with AEW is that it's bringing a lot of indie people into the limelight that a lot of mainstream rest, professional wrestling fans are not aware of and, and don't know. The great part about this is you're bringing Cody out first to open the show. Everybody knows Cody at this point. Uh, Sammy Guevara, not so familiar, but to have him in a showcase match to open the, to pull the curtain, basically, that, where he performs extremely well and does yes. really well with Cody... Sammy Guevara is all of a sudden on the map in the professional wrestling yes. world coming out of the indies. So, And that's going to be the case with a lot of these indie yeah. guys where they're going to have a match like this and people have, all of a sudden... I mean, look at what happened with Luchasaurus, right? He went from who to everyone loves him now, Jungle Boy. Uh, this was... A, a lot of people opened up their eyes on Sammy Guevara here. Yeah, definitely. So, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see it. Um, as I, I remember the time that uh, he tweeted back at us about how much his chest hurt after his match with Walter. Because what, what did you, what did you, what did you tweet him? Like, how's your chest, buddy? Oh, <laughs> he yeah. was like, sucks. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Walter left like an entire handprint across the poor kid's chest. Anyway, um, yeah. So no, it, this was a great way to open the show. Um, I was worried about Cody's heel face dynamics being confusing to a casual audience, but I think people got it uh, once they realized what a cocky little bastard. Sammy Guevara was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, that was a solid opener. And then, but then the problem was we had Brandon Cutler versus MJF, and uh, Cutler botched a top rope spot and 
might have genuinely screwed up his leg and MJF pinned him pretty quickly after that. Uh, is Cutler a lost cause? Does he have it or is he just kind of there because of nepotism? Uh, I think he's there because he's done so much work with Cody and the Bucks uh, with the being the elite stuff and all of that on YouTube. All the work. Cutler's one of the graphics and video guys and production guys uh, who loves wrestling, gave it a shot, uh, but ended up coming and working with Cody and the Bucks on doing all the being the elite stuff in the background. Just a little background context for you guys. So th- there was a thing in as they were bringing up the you know the beginnings of of AEW, they gave Cutler a contract as like a right a great gift right, and he lost and his he was, mind. He was he real was, emotional about it. He was it. very touched. Very uh, touched. It was a great moment. So this was the debut, and. Uh, it's MGF, you know. <laughs> it is what it is. He had he had a shot, but I just I don't think he he did real well. I just I just saying in terms of presentation, I don't know if Cutler has the it factor. It. Yeah, you know what I mean. It. Like he's just he's just kind of there. He doesn't have it. But uh, maybe maybe this was a bad night, an off night for him. I don't know. He didn't he didn't he didn't pop for me. No. Maybe I'm just being nitpicky yeah. but um we had a little skit with kevin smith and jason muse at ringside uh angelico and, and helico and evans jack evans came up started yelling at them private party broke it up we actually ended up having a dark match uh about this later did, but this, did this feel a little too wwe-ish to you no. like the, hey look the celebrities in our audience and we're going to create an angle out of it and it's going to be kind of poorly put together like, or did this bother you, or was this fine? I mean, it was a little on the nose. Obviously, they paid to promote their new movie that they're they're working on, and you know, that, with that's, Jericho. Yep, that's fine. Uh, and it is kind of funny because Jack Evans and Jason Mewes look like they could be, you know, brothers from another mother or something like that. They 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 are they do look Clones. similar. Yeah, clones. So the idea of him walking up to Mewes and Mewes will tear you down pretty quickly. <laughs> Um, but no, it's this. This was fine. I loved Private Party coming in from the crowd as well. AEW Street Profits, as, as I like to call them, because <laughs> they got the cups and this, the bling and all that, right? So, uh. Uh, anyway, this was fine to me. I, I don't think there was anything wrong with this. Yeah, it, it, it was it was fine, but I it, it worries me for the future. Letting uh, Van Vliet lead on this, and then just handing. Handing Kevin Smith a microphone is not a good idea because he will no, the talk man will for talk. an hour. <laughs> he will. He's a talker. I've actually, I actually have seen Kevin Smith's um, – he did like a college tour, college speaking tour, and they put out a um, – because like, it was just him just talking about stuff. But it's fascinating. The guy's a fascinating talker, but he can talk. For a guy who plays a silent guy in the movies, man can talk. Uh, we next, speaking of talking, SCU had some talking to do about the tag team tournament. Uh, they chose the two members that will face everybody else in this tournament. Scorpio's out. Going to be Kazarian. And uh, and I got to say, and, and Chris, uh, Chris, I was about to call him Chris Angels. Christopher Daniels. Ah! Uh, what? So, right choice there. They're, the first thing that happened, of course, Lucha Brothers came out to get in their faces. Which was brilliant, um, by the way. That was great. Yeah. It was fine. Um, and they had Phoenix. Phoenix delivered a nice little promo. Yep. Good man, working on his English. Yep. Um, Pentagon. Pentagon no delivered from the him. mist. <laughs> he, he delivered the mist and the settle miedo. Yep. But he also delivered. Um, man, put on some socks. What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> that mask does not go with that suit. I'm sorry, man. Like it's I'm funny, so used to though. him coming out like the ninja it. warrior outfit. It's that's a problem. It's funny. I don't know if it works. 
I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm being a damn purist. I lo- look. Let me get. Let me get this completely straight here. Luchadors in suits is the best thing ever. It's hilarious. A lucha mask in a fucking crisp suit is <laughs> that is the best thing ever. That hipster shit that Pentagon was wearing with his ninja mask. Yeah. Not so much. Not so much the good stuff. That was a little creepy. I don't know. But I, <laughs> I'm being nitpicky about my lucha. Um, I, but then they got into a scuffle and the whole back cleared out pretty quickly to get him. It felt, honestly, it felt more like what would happen if a genuine scuffle broke out. Like, let's say, like at a UFC weigh in and the two guys get into it and having everyone jump in to break him up. It felt more like that. Right where you had refs just ready to go, security guys yeah. ready to go, and they were genuinely breaking them up, and there was no like breaking free and jumping over the guys to get to the. No, it was this felt like a, and even ref Aubrey was out there uh, tackling people. So this was, I, I liked the way this felt with the breakup of the scrum. Th- did I see Malenko out there mixing it up as well? Malenko front and center, <laughs> front and center. So Damn, yeah, the rep was Arne. out there, but I no was Dean Malenko out there mixing no it up with these guys. I love Using it. Using one of his thousand holes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I yeah. love it. Uh, next match was Hangman Page versus Pac. Okay. Uh, oh, I can't wait to hear about that. Was a, that was a very, very uh, heavy okay there, Nick. Yeah, I can't the, wait to hear the, what you have to say about this. This is one this. of the ones we need to talk about. Um, oh, my goodness. Okay, well, well here, let me just let me lay out the match real quick. Okay. Hang, Hangman Page and Pac competitive match ultimately ends with uh, Pac doing the black arrow on Hangman Page's back and then putting him in the, uh, what is he called, the Devastator? The, the Rings of Saturn, basically. Yeah. And uh, uh, Brutalizer. Brutalizer? Brutalizer. Uh, Rings of Saturn. And uh, Hangman taps out, passes out, unable to continue. Uh, can you still call Hangman, Hangman Reigns after losing two in a row? Well, that's not the way I would have put it. Okay, so when, I was, what were you, I was when you very, said that okay, when you okay, I was very what, down on him head? getting the sort of inaugural big push. Like, really, you're not going to do Cody or Kenny or uh, yep. Jericho or anybody like that. It's going to be Hangman Page. That's going to be your. That's going to be the face of your company. That's what I was down on previously. I don't know if I've ever seen Page. Uh, go as hard as he did against Pac. Uh, this, well, this you week. didn't watch a lot of New Japan with him. That's true, but I saw a harder-hitting, harder-wrestling, more vicious and aggressive Hangman Page this week than I had mm-hmm. seen previously. And, right. okay, uh, Hangman Reigns, my, that was why I called him that, because he was just right. handed that anointed position, right, of you're sure. going to be... But I, the dude can go. And if yeah, there's any question, if there's any question about whether or not he can go that he may have left you with in previous pay-per-views for as AEW was building, it was probably squashed and put to rest this week in that match versus Pack. So, yeah, I, I yeah. loved this match. They beat the shit out of each other, and that's exactly what I want in my wrestling. Yep, but it was it was one of the best matches of the night yeah. for sure, and I definitely I'm I'm very relieved that. What could have been very WWE-style nepotism with Hangman Page was just done to create a legitimate foe for Chris Jericho, who should have been the first champ and is the first champ. And Hangman has now fallen down the ranks. He's going to end in the upper mid-card where he, de- where he deserves to be. Yep. Pac is on a winning streak. He's going to probably get a title shot at some point, which he deserves. 
Um, yeah, so far, so good for this booking right here. Uh, the real question is just if Pac wants to stay in uh, AEW or if he wants to go back to Japan or what his plans are. That, who knows? That guy is he's not very, very open. He's staying he's very right open. where he is. He's very open. You say that, man. He's pretty opaque as far as what that guy wants to do with his life. Uh, our next match was the match for the first ever women's championship in AEW. Riho and Nyla Rose was it was this matchup. The two of them were they the two that you think should have been competing for the very first uh, for the for the title for the first time. So I misunderstood something. I I think coming into this show, I thought they were having a number one contenders match to go fight Doctor Britt Baker to then determine between right. Britt Baker and the winner of this match who the first women's championship champion was going to be. I was no. thrown off a little bit because I, I was confused. Riho won that tournament, or the was it a five four way five way? She was the one that that's how she got in, um, and then Nyla. So I was really thrown off. Like, wait, this is for the championship? I I didn't know. Yeah. Oh, oh. Fantastic match. Typical kind of David and Goliath scenario um, where you've got a tiny little Joshi wrestler that's flying all over the place and trying to knee and kick her to death, and Nyla Rose just standing there taking it. And throwing this little girl around all over the place. And it's funny because the difference between like the kind of smarkier people that I know, like the hardcores and the the casual people that I know, casuals love this match. The audience that was in attendance, this was the hottest match of the night by far. People who were in attendance said this was the loudest any the people were. Um, and then people that like watch a lot of wrestling were like, Oh, Nyla, she's a she's a botch machine. She's like Nia Jax. She was so botching this match. I was watching this, and I was kind of between the two, where I'm like, yeah, okay, Nyla wasn't entirely clean this entire match. Riho, sometimes it, her offense didn't quite look sharp enough to get the reaction that it did from Nyla. But at the same time, like you said, the storytelling of this match was, for the most part, pretty good. There was a there was a one moment where uh, Nyla went for a chair and risked DQ, uh, which didn't seem to make a lot of sense, and it made her look dumb. And then she said, well, okay, I can't hit her with the chairs. I'm going to lay her out on these chairs outside of the ring and then sent on her from the ring apron. And, of course, she misses, and Nyla you know, goes splat on the chairs. And the, one of the criticisms was that that booking makes Nyla look dumb. And conversely, like I saw it as Nyla wanting to do anything to win and being so vicious and violent, that's what she's going to do. So I, I think that there is a discussion to be had. There's an argument to be made about whether or not this was a quote-unquote well-booked match, but it worked for me, I bought in. Um, I liked the fact that Riho finished her off with a, some a nice crisp double knees, and ended up winning. And the crowd at my bar loved it too. When you know watching it, they they all bought into this 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 underdog story here. It was the false finishes so, too. You know, there were a couple of times yeah, where Nyla, Nyla looked like she had her under wraps, uh, was had her you know dead to rights, and. You know, Riho just kept kicking out and kicking out and finding ways to avoid um, just getting pinned and, and losing. So I think it was the false finishes that really helped continue the story here and what really hyped up the crowd uh, to get them going. So congratulations to Riho, your first AEW Women's Champion. Uh, big, big moment for her and for AEW to go ahead and crown and she, that. She popped big on Twitter too, man. Like a lot of people really, uh, really vibed with her after this match. Yep. Like she really did this. This did get her over in a big way. So kudos, kudos all around here. Except not for Britt Baker because she was on commentary. I guess she was just kind of there. Um, she, I didn't say a damn thing. 
They were lobbing her softball questions. She had no answer for it. That was a, a terrible performance by her. Yeah. That was definitely uh, a little, little scary because I know they really want to put a lot uh, of, the, of the women's division on her back, and that was not a good start. If you had told um, me in the summer that Riho would be the AEW women's champion, I would have told you were crazy because of all of this. <laughs> yeah, same. Brandy Rhodes and Allie and Britt Baker and all, all the things that they were doing uh, around all of that to promote uh, things like All Out and some of the other pay-per-views they were doing. It looked like they were le- all things were leading towards Britt Baker being your first women's champion. This really caught Actually, me off guard. From what I understand, the initial thought was Kylie Ray. Sure. It was going to be Kylie Ray, Kylie Ray and Nyla uh, for the championship initially. And then whatever happened with Kylie Ray, which we still don't know what happened with Kylie Ray, why she had the fallout with AEW. But uh, yeah, so they, they wanted to get another you know, peppy young small thing to go up against Nyla yeah. and Riho was, was there. So that's, that's what I understand happened. So, you know, that does, I, I don't have any confirmation. That's what I understand, uh, is the, is the scuttlebutt. Uh, the next match we had was a three on three tag match. The elite mm. Kenny Omega and the young bucks, the bucks, the bucks. I don't know, Nick, I don't know, Nick, Nick Jackson, uh, gotta keep that headband on. You gotta staple that thing on, man. Yeah. Uh, versus Chris Jericho and LAX, no longer known as LAX because Conan owns the rights to that name. Now it's just Ortiz and Santana. Uh, but they got to get a how, uh, they got to get a new Conan name. Conan own the rights to the three letter designator of one of the biggest airports in the world. When it comes to wrestling, <laughs> okay. So, Fine. And the acronym that it stands for, sure. Um, so that's yeah. So that this is. Uh, this was initially, it looked like it was going to be a, a banger of a match. Things went nuts, Nick. Like, things just went completely off the rails. This is where the show devolved into chaos. First, as it looked like uh, Kenny Omega was about to do a, a tope of some sort or, uh, uh, you know, some sort of suicide dive, Moxley comes out, grabs him, they scuffle off into the back, and uh, Moxley ends up putting... Uh, using his his finisher, which is what he's not calling it's not the Death Rider over here, a paradigm shift. That's what he's calling it now. Right. Uh, gives him a paradigm shift through a glass table. Brilliant. Which looked looked awesome. It looked awesome. Straight the people in my bar down lost their minds. Too. Oh, oh, that was good. I love that we just forgot um, about the whole match for ten minutes as they for ten minutes tussled around backstage. Uh, yeah, but referee's discretion, which is something that they use in New Japan and now in AEW as well. He said, "Well, this is our first main event." Of AEW, I can't scuttle it and say there was interference in the DQ. We'll just go to a two-on-three match. And so the match continued, and it was LAX and Jericho. Oh, sorry, Santana and Ortiz and Jericho versus the Bucks. And uh, it ended, as you would imagine it would, with the Bucks getting overwhelmed and losing. But that wasn't all, because after that, who should come out? But we, all, sorts of, all sorts of mayhem broke out. We had, we had Jericho and uh, Ortiz and Santana beating down the Bucks. Cody runs out for the save. Sammy Guevara runs out, kicks Cody in the nuts. Dustin Rhodes comes out. He kicks Sammy in the nuts. It's mayhem. And who should come running up out of the crowd but Jake Hager. Woo! If you listen to the show last week, I did say he was on his way to AEW. Uh, comes running out of the crowd and destroys everyone. AEW now officially has its first legitimate big man. Because did we not say they need a big man? We, I've said that multiple times. We've said that multiple times. And look at the, look yeah. at yeah. So uh, Jack Swag- Jack Hager, whatever you want to call him, 
uh, went and trimmed up for Bellator. He's down to like 250, 245, 250. He could easily go pack 25, 30 pounds back on and be back up in that 280, 285 weight class. And then he's Brock Lesnar size. You know, he's, he's, he's bigger in that, than that. Dude's yeah. like 6'5. Dude's jacked. He can he can be re- he's really slimmed down and, tr- and trimmed up right now for Bellator. Like him and Luchasaurus are the two biggest guys in AEW right now, yep. legit. So and, and congratulations I mean, AEW, big- you've got a heavyweight. If you want to know how big this guy is, Dustin Rhodes is a huge human being, and Jake Hager is bigger than him. Yeah, uh, he's he's in every direction. Uh, so no, great get for them. Um, There's a lot of people uh, so, that are down on Jack Swagger or Hager coming back. They're not really big on him as a as a as a worker or as a talent. What's your thoughts on him? Uh, no, in, just wait and see. Wait and I see. Agree. Wait and see. He had, he the he had a phenomenal off season fan. in Lucha Underground. Yeah, the the leash is off. Just wait and see. You're you're gonna love him. Um, who else do you think is gonna be like a surprise? Because they're not gonna they're not gonna blow their wad all at once. Who else do you see going to AEW? In the next couple of weeks, if uh, if they got Hager, who else are they bringing out? Uh, I don't, I don't know who you're referring to. I, I will say that in the just in the chat off the cuff, I I think I typed. I wonder if Moxley's going to make an appearance here because the match was kind of just treading Happening. treading water a little bit, and I'm just like <laughs> something's up here. But so I, yeah. I was really like, ah, got that one. Uh, I don't know who are you who are you uh, implying is going to show up here. I'm just saying that uh, you know if this is indeed a war and if this is indeed a ratings war and a perception war between AEW and NXT that uh, AEW might have some bad news. Oh. NXT. Oh boy. I just uh, I need the beard. Yeah. I don't like clean-shaven Wade Barrett. I need the beard. I, I think you're gonna, I, I think you're going to have the beard. Yeah. I think you're going to have the beard. Uh yeah, you know, he and Cody are good buddies, so nice. I you know I, I I think that's in the works. Nice. Uh, we did have Total you speculation. You mentioned one of the dark matches that happened uh, earlier with Lucha Brothers and Angelico and uh, Evans. Uh, we had th- actually had three dark matches. Um, uh, I do want to call out Jay Dillon in the chat uh, alongside. Thanks for watching and, and chiming in. Was at the show. He did mention yeah. that uh, man. during the the match there was an errant hot dog thrown into the ring. Uh, that Jericho, during a commercial break, grabbed a mic and said, who threw this hot dog into the ring? Those things are $6. Whose wiener is this? (laughs) So that was funny. Also, uh, Jack Hager got the biggest pop of the night, apparently, in the the arena. It doesn't surprise me. Oh, it doesn't surprise me at all. Other dark matches we had. uh, Darby Allin defeated Shima, which I think I I would love to see that match. And come to find out, we are going to get to see those matches because announced today Cody came out and said we are going to have a new YouTube channel or series at least mm-hmm. on the series. AEW channel uh, that's called AEW Dark and it's going to yep. they're going to put all of their dark matches on YouTube which I think is brilliant brilliant yep. you've Absolutely now extended brilliant. They had three, your show you had a you had a pre-show match and then four uh, sorry three after show dark matches post-show dark matches uh, including Lucha Brothers and Evans and Angelico versus Private Party and Best Friends. That was one post-show uh, match. You had Britt Baker and Ali versus Bea Priestley and Penelope Ford. And you had SCU and Jurassic Express uh, versus Jurassic Express. I heard that was just kind of a repeat of the last match they had, but was still insanely fun because the crowd's just madly into it. And Jay Dillon, correct me if I'm wrong, but Luchasaurus is just insanely over. And people were going nuts. Although I think I think you said he had to leave early. But anyway, 
Suffice to say, that will be on YouTube. Nick, that was an incredible first show for AEW. Uh, they, I think they absolutely knocked it out of the park. They nailed every metric they actually had to. Um, really, really strong start for them. And we were, we've been speculating for months about how they would pull that off and how they would do, but I think that was a great start. Yeah, me too. So I good agree. job. Congratulations to them. But that wasn't the only show on Wednesday night, Nick. <laughs> we've also Wait, got to more? go and talk about... There's more! Two hours and 15 minutes of NXT. Well, not to be outdone by Cody and uh, Sammy Guevara to open AEW, uh, they opened with a bang on NXT with an NXT championship match between the, the reigning champion Adam Cole defending against bro, Matt Riddle. <laughs> this was a baller match. Like this, Great match. this was a fantastic match. These two beat the holy hell out of each other. Yeah, uh, really great sequences. Yeah. Like just uh, really great chemistry. Uh, good stuff all around. There was a lot of things that were juxtaposed between the two shows. Where I actually wonder if NXT had AEW's uh, like card list because you had, as you said, this match was con- like they came out the gates with this to try. I think get to get people to watch their show. Like, oh shit, the championship matches first. I got to watch this. Uh, they had their women's championship match versus AEW's women's championship match. So there was a lot of overlap in that sense. Counterbooking. Um, yeah. count, exactly, <laughs> counterbooking. But yeah, but uh, here's the thing. I will say this. NXT, I think, across the board had better wrestling matches. AEW was a more uh, in, en- engaging and entertaining show from top to bottom. Strangely enough, that was, that was my take on it. Yeah. Um, but this match was definitely one of the best matches of the night across both shows. But here's the thing. Uh, Adam Cole wins by hitting Matt Riddle in the head with the cast that he was supposedly had to have because of the, the medical, um, for medical reasons. But uh, well, so he, he was he, he seen keeps, on Instagram out and win. about with it on Britt Baker's Instagram page wearing the cast, wearing the brace. At, you know, at Disney K-fabe, or bro. Uh, fine, K-fabe. but I, you know, maybe he legit heard it. You never know. With the hey, with the work they were putting on that wrist in this match, there's no freaking way. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're not doing the Yoshi Garoshis that Adam Cole did to Matt Riddle with a broken wrist. <laughs> Come on, or or you know, taking some of the submissions with it. Anyway, uh, so not exactly a clean win, and I think it does prove that that uh, quote unquote injury report is kayfabe, which is but great. I love that. It's a reason to keep you guys off the show for a week or two. Yep. The big news with this show is after this match, Adam Cole celebrating in the ring, gloating about continuing to be your NXT champion, and out of nowhere, whose music should hit, but Finn. Balor, Finn Balor to NXT. He came out to the like probably one of the loudest pops I've ever heard at Full Sail. People lost their damn minds, and uh, he came around and basically just said into a microphone at Adam Cole, "Hey, Finn Balor is NXT." So I'm back. Can I get what for the what? for listeners that have been with us for a long time? For those of you that have been. There, I you used to give me so much crap that I used to say things yeah. like Finn Balor would should go back to, 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 to like the two hundred five live or the cruiserweight division or something. Right. It's not two hundred five live. It's not cruiserweight division. But can I get a little bit of credit that says this was a good move? 
I'll give you in the sense that this is a good move. Yeah, the two two of five would have been a terrible move, and a, and a, but, and but a just step getting him down off the main Finn. roster and letting him play in an in a in a pool of talent that he's more suited for. That's really yes, what absolutely. I was, that was the whole point. One hundred percent. Give you that one. Yeah. Um, and this is absolutely him playing in a pool that he's much more suited for. He's now the biggest fish in a smaller pond. Well, I don't know. Whereas Let's get to the, the main... end of the show first, and then we'll have that discussion. <laughs> I don't think there's any discussion. I think that he and he's also this is a way for Finn to be not only to be uh, to to put on some absolutely amazing matches with people that can work a style that will really complement him. This is also Finn Balor is at this point I would say getting towards being a veteran. The guy runs his own school. The guy has been doing this for you know over well over a decade. Um, he's been all over the world, and this is a way for him to not only mentor up and coming people at the performance center and other developmental talent, but you're bringing in people from Japan. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is I think having Finn there as not only as, as an ambassador to the new talent. But as a, a brain to pick for the up-and-comers, this is a brilliant move across the board. Um, the only thing I can say about this is, and, and not only that, but from a rating standpoint, now you're pushing people who watch the main show to NXT. Finn Balor's on NXT. I'm going to go watch that now. Um, do you feel like there's any other superstars that could come to NXT? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Like who? Like uh, who? Chad Gable. Chad Gable would be... <laughs> Oh, yes. poor guy. Uh, just, I mean, he's going from a lumberjack. I mean, uh, frankly, I don't think – I think Ricochet went up too quick. Uh, as well as he's doing, he, was a, lum- he was a lumberjack last night. So Alistair Black maybe went up too quick. So, uh, you know, the whims of, a, of an old Alistair man. Black didn't go up too quick. They botched him. They botched they totally his call. They weren't ready for him yet. That's what I meant. Um, the, the, yeah, they're, what I don't want to do. Here's my fear. You asked a very apropos question. I don't want to see a re-influx of talent that is not giant big men coming back down to NXT and outweighing the the breeding of new talent that NXT has become known for. That's my right. one fear, is that the overshadowing of the main roster people coming back. Yes, it's cool, but as much as we complained about celebrities and MMA people coming into the main roster and overshadowing the talent that we know is there on the main roster, are we not scared of the exact same thing happening with main roster big names coming back down to NXT when there are plenty of talented folks in NXT that deserve that opportunity? Yes, and that's a very, very salient point. It's just a matter of how many you bring down in order to, to face off with AEW. Sure. Is my, it's like, like one or two, sure. Don't go crazy. Yeah, <laughs> now, like Finn Balor is a like great one. one. If, if I'm not mistaken, he's still the longest reigning NXT champion on record. That is correct. Right? So it, yeah. he's a great one to bring back as that sort of veteran. He champion. was Mr. NXT. He was. Yeah. He's to me. He was he's Mr. Really, NXT. Him and Owens are the ones that put it on the map for me. Well, they were there during the biggest rise, right. for sure. Uh, and I think Finn more so than Owens. Uh, uh, you know, he Finn's the one who took it off of Owens uh, in that amazing match in Japan. Yeah. And Finn then held it forever, and he was really there when NXT went from being considered like the developmental brand to everyone being like, no, this is legitimately one of the best wrestling shows on TV. So Finn going back there is 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 a big deal. Um, so let's talk about the rest of the show, Nick. Velveteen Dream came out and cut kind of a subpar promo saying he wants his rematch with Roderick Strong. People are speculating it's because his music was turned up too loud and maybe he bungled his lines, but it was definitely a subpar promo for him. 
All the people are now saying that just Dream in general is a subpar promo. Like, I I'm loved like, it. What, when did this happen? I loved when did, it. When did, when did you love this promo? Yeah, I loved it. I love all the. It was def- the I thought I it was laughed awkward. my ass off at all the innuendo that he works in to all of his promos. Yeah. And he still maintains that sort of androgyny where you're not really sure. Yeah, he's got a couch full of ladies, but he's making you know jokes that could allude to the fact that he swings the other way. So I I, I think it's it's hilarious. It makes people uncomfortable uh, for, because of certain reasons. And, and I I just I I love his promos, the way he delivers them, the way that his set looks with his couch and the purple black lights and the, the smoke and everything. It's just it. I think the production of Velveteen Dream, regardless of what he's actually saying, is five star. And well, it's it's very old school. When you talk about like people like Adrian Adonis or Gorgeous George, like he's you know he's tweaking that. Uh, whether it's homophobia, whether it's yeah, just, it's just you know pl- close minded, he's, he's tweaking that. Right? Just but this getting... but this promo was definitely very stilted. And yeah. when you're saying these kind of things, he's saying they've got to be smoother than this. And it wasn't a smooth one at all. Yeah. Um, he he has done better. He will do better. It's just a blip. I'm not worried about yeah. it. But yeah, it looks like he's headed for Roderick Strong. Uh, Mia Yim had a match with Io Shirai, which was a nice, hard-hitting affair. Ladies put on a good match here. Good showcase for both of them. Yim does get uh, beaten pretty clean by Io Shirai. Is she falling down the card, and is that is that a good thing? Or is this just a way to say that, yes, Mia's really good, but Io is better. She should be higher up the card. Mm. Or am I reading too much into I it? Think, <laughs> I think Io Shirai might be on a level if not higher like she should be she should be a lot higher than what she is right now and i don't i I think she said it that way i I, very much so i just don't know it's going to be a timing thing right like we saw with alistair black and ricochet coming to the main roster this spring they were right in the middle of programs and then you just threw them up there and it didn't it's worked out for ricochet not so much for alistair but my concern is they're going to do something similar with shirai let's see how that gets handled i hope they strap her i hope evil shirai is the one that takes the belt off of shayna let's see what happens with that but i that's my my concern i'm not so concerned about mia she'll be fine i'm concerned about the handling of eo especially now that she's flipped um which i like even more for the record but i'm curious of how she's going to be handled going forward Agreed. Uh, seen in the crowd, the NWO, hey, the original NWO, Nash, now the Outsiders, Hash and, Hash and Nall, <laughs> Sasha Banks, Nash and Hall were seen in the crowd. I'm really not surprised that they they would be there. You know, it was interesting because now you have this um, kind of like an NWO style faction with Jericho over in AEW. You know, he's got he's got Sammy Guevara. Uh, Santana Ortiz for his tag team. He's got Jake Hager as his bruiser, his ex his ex WWE bruiser right. to go up against the elite. Um, you know, and then they feel kind of like uh, a cancer that's been injected into AEW. But and here you have the NWO hanging out over on uh, NXT. Not really surprising considering that it's it's Triple H's promotion and uh, one of his, like his number one guy is Shawn Michaels. So not really too surprising that they'd be there, but will they be involved, do you think, going forward in maybe the performance center or in production backstage? Like That's just something that popped into my head when I was watching. I, I thought they were just blare- there to bless the two-suite when Finn Balor showed back up. That's could it, Does it have yeah, to be um, more than they were just fans and wanted to be there? Yes, this is wrestling media, Nick. We have to make <laughs> wild speculations all the time. I don't think they were. I mean, they were there to be celebrities in the audience. Because, this show had a little bit of... 
little Salt Bay events on it in certain places, including maybe, <laughs> yeah, it, it felt that way a little bit. Salt Bay? Yeah. Little, 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 little dash, a little sprinkle you of salt. meme whore. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, next match we had was Johnny Gargano and Shane Thorne. They haven't, they've had like a little tiny feud kind of building up and it was a little tiny match. It was about a nine minute match. Uh, I don't know. What did you think about it, Nick? I, I, it got kind of crapped on online. Meltzer gave it a really low rating. It was okay. It, it was there to, um, it was there to make, give Johnny wrestling a pop and, but a place to be. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was fine. It was fine. I, I didn't mind it at all. It was high energy. I thought there were some good spots in it. I thought they they worked pretty well together. It wasn't, it wasn't Champa and Gargano or Cole and Gargano that we've no, seen. No, but it wasn't year, supposed to be. No, I mean, it's. I, it's, I thought it was underrated. I, I, I think thought it was, it was I very it was underrated. A, I think it was a good match fine. for Shane Thorne to have against someone like Gargano, uh, and maybe yes. for him to get a little bit of come up and he hasn't really found his spot yet. So we'll see what happens with Shane Thorne. I agree. I, this was a good look for him, I thought, yeah. but he's still got a lot some work to do. Uh, Candice LeRae had her women's title match against Shayna Baszler. Looked competitive, but ultimately tapped out in the Kira Fuda clutch. Uh, where does this rank on Shayna's list of matches? Like, was this was like a, a like a top level Shayna match or like a mid level Shayna match? Mid, mid level. And I hate to say it about really? I hate to say it about Candice. I just as after the match she had with Io Shirai, uh, I. I this this was not a good showing for, her. and it, it really I thought I, I thought she looked great. She did until she got a hold. She she escaped the clutch a couple a time or two uh, by rolling over and putting Shayna's shoulders to the floor, and that's one of the ways to get out of those clutches, camel clutches. But um, the you know I just it didn't look it or sorry not camel uh, whatever cure food. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, the but I just I, I wanted to see a little bit more. I don't think we got the lion salt. Uh, off the ropes that she's so very well known for. Um, there's some of the high spots that she can do. Maybe that's just not Shayna's way. It, it just it didn't feel as dynamic as the as the, the Candice LeRae that I saw have the match with Io Shirai. And maybe it's right. just that Shayna's different than Io. It, I, I think that's the case. Yeah. I really do. So you know, Io is able to do a lot more and take a lot more and, and be a lot more uh, exciting and dynamic and high flying. And Shayna is a, a ground and pound grappler. So she's going to ground. Uh, Candice Moore. I thought they told a good story. I thought this was a very solid match, to be honest with you. The real problem came from having this go head-to-head with Riho and Nyla, which was, I thought, a lot more of an exciting match. Oh, yeah. Easily. This was... This was I was literally watching them side-by-side, side, and Nyla and Riho was much more exciting. And lots of... Like, it just... It made you invest a lot more. So that's really, I think, the, the toughest thing to say about this yeah. match. Um, next match was kind of a nothing match. Pete Dunne defeated Danny Burch pretty pretty quickly. But then he got attacked by Damian Priest. Do you think Damian Priest is the best option to feud with Pete Dunne right now? I'm dying to see it. I, I, I want to <laughs> see it. That, so if that answers your question, yeah, I'm I'm all I'm in on. That's absolutely yeah. answers my question, and I'm I'm the same way. I cannot wait to see this stuff. Yep. Um, I, I've been waiting for Priest to come out of the gate. I think the only problem here is one of them has to lose, and I think it should be Dunne. I think Priest should come out. Dunne is so established as being a badass. Get Priest over. Have him beat Dunn. Dunn can take it. He can take a loss or two at this point. Um, get Priest over. Yeah, he. I think Damien Damien Priest grabbed people's attention. Yes. Um, he's very visual. Like, who the hell is that guy? Please let him start cutting promos so, too. Oh, I can't wait for the, to hear him get on the mic again. Oh. Just so oh. we can imitate him on the show. Yes. Uh, and then we had the main event: the Street Profits going for going trying to get their tag titles back from mm. Undisputed Era. Uh, which, long story short, didn't happen. 
it was a it was a it was a pretty good match. It was not, I don't think, as exciting as a couple of their other matches, but uh, still very good. Lots of work for that hot tag, man. They were they were they were working Montez Ford over to get Dawkins that hot tag, and he did he hot tagged in beautifully. Some really nice work in this match, uh, but ultimately undisputed era does pick up the win. Do you think this is the swan song for Street Profits, or are Street Profits just like are they core NXT at this point? Well, obviously they're core to NXT. I don't know that they're other than undisputed era. Who else? Uh, I mean, you've certainly got Forgotten Sons, but it seems like they've been forgotten. Um, Damn. Well, yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I don't know who else is there, so I, I don't know if we're going to see tag team action that doesn't involve. It's got right now. It's got to be. Forgotten Sons and Undisputed Era as the next feud, right? Because does it? I, I think so. Who else is there? Birch and Lorkin again. So I uh, maybe someone we haven't seen. Maybe yet. somebody we know. haven't seen. I don't know. So that's where I huh. that's where I'm at. Street Profits are. I think they're on their way up. They've been acting as sort of hype. Oh well, men, you know, I, Imperium. Imperium. They got to strap Imperium at some Imperium point. Imperium is an interesting conversation too. I, I think that's one we could talk about for sure. As you know, if you, especially if you get Martel and Martel, Bar, Mar- Marcel Bartel and um, Fabian Eichner as a team in there, that could be really interesting to go against Undisputed Era. Um, and and then you know Walter is obviously just looming. <laughs> like if anybody's going to come for Adam Cole at some point, could it be Walter? We'll see. Uh, it could be, but it, but but who's coming first is Finn Balor and the man who stepped out from the back after this match ended and Adam Cole was posing with his belt at the top of the ramp while the rest of the Undisputed Era was in the ring. Who should come out to get in Adam Cole's face to end the show? But Tommaso, I healed from a neck injury in miraculous amount of time, Ciampa. Uh, wow, okay, Ciampa's back. Is he heel? Is he face? What has happened? Uh, I'm not really sure. Um it's his music hit, and all you saw were Adam Cole's eyes close. As soon as he heard that little bit of intro music before Champa got to his theme song, um, it was a matter of just that moment to end the show, and that's all we need. Um, what does this mean in your eyes for Champa? Is he back? Because I had heard that he wasn't completely, fully cleared yet. What's your take? Well. And that's possible, but you know, because of the way that NXT works, you can build things for a long time without having a match. You can give him maybe another month or two of rehab. You have Finn Balor there ready to challenge Adam Cole as well. He's going to factor into this. So you have some time to, to let Ciampa build again. And we got to determine what Ciampa is. What is he now? Is he still, you know, that bald bastard? The son of a bitch! Or is he the new reform Ciampa? Is DIY going to get back together as a challenge to the Undisputed Era? Speaking of tag teams, yep. There, there you go, go, buddy. That's what. I, that's mm. basically. That's well. That's where I was coming around to with this. Uh, but yes. you did mention Volter. He's got a match with Kushida next week, and uh, yeah, NXT looks very strong going forward. It's just a matter of if they can recover that ground they lost to AEW this week, Nick. And that is the week in shows. My goodness, dude. Good lord. <laughs> this is supposed went to went a little a- bit longer <gasps> because of all. We had to talk about all of the big news stuff at yeah. the beginning. You know, yeah. that was a good 30, 45 minutes worth of uh, just our commentary. My we goodness. wanted you guys to hear what we thought of the intro week. Ian, we're not done just yet. We've got just enough time for our other news lightning round. Beep, 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 Yes, sir. I'll be going to rip through this real quick. Uh, Edge, speaking of people being medically cleared, we're talking about Tommaso Ciampa. Edge 
apparently has been medically cleared. At least that was the rumor going around. There's no word if he'll return to the ring or not. Uh, but yeah, reports. Actually, there is that, word. He tweeted well, like, "No, he won't," and "No, he won't." No, no, <laughs> no I'm not, and no, I won't. No, I'm not. Yes, <laughs> uh, is what he said in relation to nothing. Uh, but you know, from the Chris Jericho book of never trust wrestlers, I'm going to say never trust wrestlers. Uh, either way, like we don't know, is he medically cleared? Is he not? Uh, apparently, these are pretty well sourced rumors that he was medically cleared. Uh, but it would make and it would make sense for him. You know, he, what, the podcast is either on hi- hiatus or they quit the podcast that they were doing. Um, you know, Beth Phoenix is now working for NXT, so. Obviously, it's, it, it makes more sense for you to try to deny things like this to make it exciting when you do come back. And he never really said anything. He, again, he was being very obtuse and saying, no, nothing about nothing. So, if Metalingus had, popped, had come on last night, I might have popped harder than when The Rock came out. Jesus Christ. <sighs> Especially with that Tron and that audience. Oh, forget it. Forget it. It had been over. Uh-huh. Uh, Mustafa Ali is... Mustafa Ali again. He and Buddy Murphy had a uh, they had a pre-show match before SmackDown, a dark match before SmackDown, and he's now being known as Mustafa Ali again, which is great because we never stopped calling him Mustafa Ali. And when well, they we don't have start, to go back and edit anything now, we don't have to do anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, and when, once they start calling Cien uh, uh, Almas uh, Andrade Cien Almas again, it'll be great because we still do that too. And when they start calling Viking Raiders War Machine again, it'll be great too. Looking nice. forward to all of that happening sometime soon. For crying out loud, <laughs> Randy Orton. Orton is in uh, not hot water. He's not, in Twitter, not, Twitter jail. <laughs> he's in Twitter jail. He's yeah. I don't. I don't even know. For Randy Orton, in, in Randy Orton's sense, this isn't even that big, big of a deal. Right. Randy Orton did a Twitch stream playing. I think Call of Duty. He was playing. I don't know. There's so many freaking games that I can't keep track. He was on a Twitch stream playing a game with a young fan who he actually befriended on Twitter. Uh, this is kind of a crazy story about how he became a, f- a friend with this guy in the first place. But literally like a kid fan he became a friend with, and he, he's now Twitch streaming with this kid for the first time. Basically Twitch streamed with him for like seven hours, like six, seven hours, like a long time, and got wasted drunk. <laughs> <laughs> And went off on everything. He talked about AEW, how impressed he was with it, people that he would like to work with. He also dropped the N-bomb. Oh, no. <laughs> he said the N-word. Uh, that being said, and, and of course, immediately everyone in the Twitterverse jumped on him, jumped all over on him. And again, and obviously, it's not my place to say whether or not a man saying that word is appropriate or not. But I will say this. I posted the clip of him saying it uh, up in the discussion group. And he uses it in a fairly innocuous way, you know, basically like a uh, a thirteen year old boy in a video game cursing at, at you know shooting somebody. I'm gonna get this, no, 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 right? Not another person, like another in game, uh, like an NPC. So it's, I don't know. You go listen to it for yourself. Make up your own mind. Definitely, Randy Orton being Randy Orton and just doing something stupid. But I don't know. At, at the same at time, least, at least the he whole didn't try to shake stuff. anybody's hand. <laughs> Uh, no one playing with that controller after he's done with it. I'll tell you that. Right. Uh, yeah. But uh, I have to do it another time. There's a whole list of stuff that he talked about on this stream that was actually very fascinating. So you win some, you lose some. You get some great information and some uh, good shoot style interviews from him. And then he drops the N bomb for crying out loud. Randy, uh, <laughs> Jeff Hardy also doing Jeff Hardy things. Uh, he was r- arrested on Thursday for driving while impaired um, in Moore County, North Carolina. That's he the was, middle of nowhere, North Carolina, where there's nothing there basically except the Hardy Ranch in Cameron. I want to point out he was released 
at 11.30 from Moore County Police, reached 11.30 p.m. That means the dude was was taken in at like, what, late afternoon, early evening? Yeah. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he was day- processed before dark. He was day drinking. <laughs> the dude was day drinking. Uh, he's, was, this, is a, this is becoming a, a, a recurring thing this year. He was arrested on March 10th for driving while impaired in Concord, North Carolina. And on the 13th of July, he was arrested in Myrtle Beach for public intoxication. Uh, Matt Hardy tweeted out that he loves his brother. He wants to do everything for him, but Jeff's got to make his own decisions. And Matt's concentrating on his family. So, uh, WWE said Matt's a grown or Jeff's a grown man. He's responsible for his own actions. Same thing they said about Jimmy Uso. So we will see what happens with Jeff Hardy. Stop it, Jeff. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, Triple-A Invading L.A. show, which was supposed to be October 13th of the forum, has been uh, rescheduled, meaning it's been indefinitely postponed. We do not have a rescheduled date for it. That was going to be a huge show. Uh, Forum's a big venue. Triple-A is a big company. L.A. is a huge Latino market. I was actually going to try to go to it. Uh, So that's a a bummer, but it's actually good for me because I couldn't go on that day. (laughs) So hopefully I'll get to go to Triple-A's Invading L.A. show whenever they reschedule it. Uh, CM Punk said on Collider, he was on Collider an interview this week, said he, if he came back to be on backstage, specifically, he doesn't want to go back into the ring at all. He is open to anything other than wrestling uh, as far as his career because he's grown as a person and a businessman. And uh, if he is on backstage, he's employed by Fox, not by WWE. And if something sucks, he'll say it does. Um, so he, and so far he's dealt with no one from WWE for this, for this deal only for only, only with Fox people. So very interesting. Uh, a lot mm. of the stuff that's coming out about CM Punk and this backstage deal. Um, and finally he says, he, well, not finally, there's a lot of stuff he got in, but I don't have much time. He says he wants to, it to be similar for what he's currently doing for CFFC, CFFC MMA. So basically, uh, just kind of a breakdown and analysis and if honestly, if you're gonna have some guy break down and analyze WWE, I want to hear see what CM Punk has to say about that. No uh, about you, uh, Ring of Honor's Death Before Dishonor. Ooh, uh, I don't know if they're gonna die before they get dishonored. They only had 800 buys for this pay per view. Uh, by contrast, Best in the World back in June did 3,500 buys, which is also abysmal. Um, so yeah, that's that's atrocious. And it's, it's funny because, you know, we kind of rag on Ring of Honor on the show, but really they're not putting out a terrible product. It's not bad, but there's definitely kind of a snowball effect of a bad air around Ring of Honor right now. And it's, it's yeah. too bad. It's like it's, Death, Death Before Dishonor was actually a pretty good show, I got to say. Top to bottom, it was pretty good. Felt a little amateur at times, but I don't know. It's, they're definitely getting a, a, a worse rap than is warranted, but they're also majorly on the downswing. So, yeah. Ring of Honor, scary times for Ring of Honor. Uh, MLW has signed its first women's wrestler, Zeta Zhang, who you may remember from the first uh, season of the May Young Classic, is their first woman. They will be announcing more women over the next couple of weeks. Uh, speaking of people leaving companies and joining companies, according to Joe Lanza of the Voices of Wrestling show, Minoru Suzuki wants out of New Japan. Doesn't like how he's being used there right now and maybe headed over to pro wrestling Noah after his uh, stuff with Jushin Liger finishes up around Wrestle Kingdom. So the only reason he's in uh, New Japan right now is because of this Jushin Liger program, apparently, according to Joe Lanza. Also, Harold Mage, who's the head of New Japan, might be heading out after Wrestle Kingdom as well. So What? So- something going on over in New Japan. Oh, something man. in the air. 
Damn it, Gato. Keep our eyes on that. Yeah, it's always madness. Gato's fault. <laughs> Breathing with the switchblade, apparently, over there. Oh. Uh, NWA has held its first round of studio tapings. Be careful what you Google, because all the spoilers are out there. Uh, I've read a couple of them. They're coming out the gate firing. There's going to be some exciting stuff on those first few episodes, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they have in store this coming Tuesday, October 8th, where they will be debuting NXT, uh, excuse me, NXT, <laughs> NWA on YouTube for free. Moxley, John Moxley, is not taking AEW's healthcare because he'd rather stay on Renee Young's. I don't know what that says about AEW's healthcare versus WWE or what they give you or Renee, what Renee's making or I don't know what this says, but that's very interesting. Hmm. I don't know, just something just food for thought. I, I wonder if Renee Young is now that she's doing backstage, if she's also now employed by, by Fox, Fox instead of WWE. Fox is notorious for having fantastic benefits. So could be something to do with that. Well, fantastic. That's uh, interesting to think about. And finally, Scarlett Bordeaux, who you may know from Impact and Ring of Honor, um, a few other places, apparently going to NXT, and she might debut very, very soon. Definitely going to be the most uh, eye-catching act they have in NXT. I think if they're looking for that, Teenage market, which AEW just demolished them on this week. Uh, AEW just crushed them in, in the teenage market. Uh, that's a way to get the teenage boys to watch your show. Uh, Scarlett nice. Bodo's Scarlett Bodo's gimmick, basically a burlesque dancer, <laughs> yeah. burlesque dancer wrestler. So, yeah, coming soon to NXT, and that is the news, Nick. What a monumentally huge show we had today because it was a monumentally huge. Week in wrestling. I'm looking forward well, to the seventh do ha- down. I do have one more piece before we get to beep, 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 breaking news. Oh. Uh, apparently, season three of the May Young Classic, breaking today while we were taping, uh, will be taped on November 2nd and November 3rd. So but just absolutely breaking news while we were on the show here today. Um, just it has been it has come out that they are taping night one on the second and night two on November third. So May Young Classic coming back. To, I'm assuming on the WWE Network uh, it, without NXT. I, I'm not sure if it'll still be tied to NXT like it seemingly has before. Um, but now it's probably just going to be something on the network. Uh, Ian, what do you think about the May Young Classic coming back? Can't wait. Bring yeah. it on. Bring it's it on. always awesome. Always great. Always awesome. Well, guys, that's our show for this week. Ran a little bit longer uh, than we're going, but don't go anywhere. We're going to jump right over to a brand new stream, so refresh the YouTube page. Once we get off of this one, you'll find a new stream up to do our listener questions from all of our patrons. Speaking of which, thank you to all of our patrons that help us support our show every single week and has helped us transition ourselves into this new two to four show era every single week just for all of you listening out there. If you'd like to get in and help us out on that and get access to some exclusive content, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. You can also come join us in our Facebook discussion group. Uh, Just search for Busted Wide Open on Facebook and you'll find us there. Send us a join request, like our page, and we'll get you right into that. We're here live on almost everything we do on YouTube at youtube.com slash busted wide open. Be sure to pound that like button for this video and any of our others that you enjoyed and subscribe to our channel. Hit that notification bell because we've got a lot of events scheduled for all of our upcoming shows that we'll make sure that we can get you into. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. 
And uh, I think that's it. Do we have anything else we needed to go over? Ian? Well, yeah. If you're on the chat right now, if you if you're watching us live right now, stick around. We're doing the question shows yeah. next. Uh, we yes. have a listener question show that will now be debuting immediately after this show ends, whenever that is. If we run short, if we run long, just listen to this show to find out when our listener questions episode starts. Just stick around, uh, you refresh your feed, and we'll be right back after we uh, drop this show with yes. a listener question show, which is a lot of fun. I am very much looking forward to splitting that off, having its own our own mailbag show, so we can really just chew into these questions and not have to rush through them. Absolutely. Well, guys, my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Surrey and Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Surrey and Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.